Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, it is back. The Interplay Film Festival has returned for 2012, and the call for entries is now open. The Vince Wood Buffalo and the YMN Podcast are pleased to bring this fabulous event back for another round. And, uh, of course, what is a film festival without the ever-popular 48-hour filmmaking challenge? That's right. Everything that happened last year is going to be happening this year. And boy, what fun did we have. Uh, basically, if you have an independent film that you want screened, or even if you have your own camera and you're itching to try your hand at directing, uh, the Interplay Festival is going to be celebrating the art of cinema by showcasing the talent of independent professionals. And of course, first-time filmmakers. We're going to be catering to each and every skill level. And it's so simple to, to jump on and join this absolute amazing, amazing time. Basically, just complete the online submission and registration forms. All of them are available at ymmpodcast.com. Go on the main page, you'll see the logo on the right-hand side, or even just click on the tab. Take you to the IFF 2012, bitch. Submissions will be taken under consideration, and the deadline is August 1st, 2012. Get us those films by then. We'll let you know if they make the festival. And basically, shit is on. Registration for the 48-hour filmmaking challenge is going to be accepted too. Right up until the day the challenge begins. Uh, time and locations of our famous shotgun start will be announced shortly. So be sure to keep tabs uh, on the podcast, on the Twitter, on the Facebook site. And we'll let you know. But definitely get those registration forms in for the 48-hour challenge because it was a hell of a time last year. Films will be screened during the film festival, ending with an award ceremony, and of course you're going to have your prizes and trophies like we had last year. Questions, comments, completed entry forms, everything can be submitted via the email at filmfestival at eventswoodbuffalo.com. All submission fees must be mailed to Eventswood Buffalo, and you'll see all the information available online on the forms. Definitely follow us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ymnpodcast. Follow us on Twitter, at ymnpodcast. Of course, use this hashtag, pound ymniff. That is going to be our hashtag for this event. It's going to be great. Both the film festival and the 48-hour filmmaking challenge. Use that hashtag. Link everyone to the same thing. All information, of course, is available online, ymnpodcast.com. You'll see it all up there. Big time cash prizes. It's going to be a hell of a time. Get those submissions in and get ready for some filmmaking adventures. Welcome to Fort Mac.
gentlemen, welcome to the YMM Podcast, and of course, as always, I am Todsky. No Tino tonight, uh, something's come up, so he can't be here, but I'm sure he'll be listening in, as he always is. But with me at the table is some very special guest. Who do we got tonight? I guess I'll start. Sure, we'll go counterclock. Yeah, <laughs> it's Christine Burton, and I am a candidate for the municipal by-election. Welcome, and thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Matt Ewens as well. I am a candidate for Ward 1 of the Region Municipality. And thank you for coming, sir. I really appreciate it, the both of you. It's good so to be back. By now, I've pretty much, uh, people could probably have guessed, they see me tweeting about it. Uh, this is a podcast dedicated to the by-election. That is actually coming up uh, one week from today as of the recording, but everyone listen to this tomorrow. Uh, the election is June 25th, next Monday, or this coming Monday, uh, and uh it's a it's a big one. I think this is actually one of the more important ones because uh, this is the one that affects the region oh so oh so dearly. You know what I mean? Like they all affect it. They're, they're all important, but this one is directly related to the municipality of Wood Buffalo because it's a, a by election for a couple city council positions that Don Scott and Mike Allen held when they were recently elected. Uh, when was it? April? April twenty third, I think it was. Yeah, well, there's, so there's fourteen candidates running. That was a big number, actually. I was trying to find some uh, previous <laughs> stats, and uh, for those listeners, uh, Christine, I don't know if you listened to the show before. Uh, fact finding isn't one of my fortes, really. <laughs> like, what, well, is it, what is it normally when it comes to an election? Like uh, for the Ward One, it's how many seats are there for Ward well, One? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, the last election in 2010, we had six seats in Ward One available. And 15 candidates ran. For six positions. Right. So now we have two seats and 14, 14. candidates. Wow. So it was a pretty impressive slate of candidates. It was. When I heard the number come out on, on the nomination day, I was just like, 14? I was like, that's got to include, I think there's uh, the public uh, trustees up on this one too, no? Which one? Well, there are, there are public trustees. Yeah, that's that, what I thought it included number, at yeah, first. And no. then when I, read the, when I read the actual article, I was like, no, that's just for the Ward 1 positions. So it was a rather interesting number, and uh, I think that's actually... Actually, a, a good sign of people are interested. People are wanting to get involved in in this in this region's uh, political process. Yeah, I think it's one of the questions I've received most commonly mm-hmm. in regards to this election: is why are there so many candidates running? Um, and I, I agree with you. I think it's a fantastic show of I think people's commitment to this region and uh, people wanting to make a, di- a difference to get involved in the decision making yeah and it's a wide gap of people too like you got people from from all walks of life and, and, and a lot of d- definitely varying viewpoints which I think mm-hmm. is really really good Absolutely. and it does nothing but benefit uh, the voter and I think uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up tonight was a lot of uh, reaction I get from when I talk about this by-election to people and when I say okay by-election that's coming up what do you guys think and oddly enough a lot of the reaction I get is who cares mm-hmm. and it's one thing that I'm really scared of right now because I think this, in my personal opinion I think the city council is one of the more important of the, of the three levels of government right I'm shocked to get in this answer by some people. And, and even the last couple of times when I'm trying to pull people, I'm like, oh, I'm doing a, a candidate podcast. Uh, what should we talk about? Like some of the reaction of people is yeah. like, oh, I don't care about this one anyway. Right. So I think it's a unanimous agreement between all candidates that I think one of the main goals of this election is let's get a big turnout and let's get some people voting. Right. Because I think, like, what was our numbers for the last election uh, for well, the city? We, we went up, right? Almost 50%. I think on the last on for the city one. Oh, for the city one, no, it was it was pretty low. I think. Yeah, uh, I know on the provincial we went up. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think for the the last uh, regional one, it was uh, well two two municipal elections ago we were around seventeen percent, which was 
dismal. I mean, that was embarrassing. Yeah. And I know that all the candidates worked really hard in the last municipal election to raise some interest. And we, you know, we did a few little projects and trying to get people out to vote. But, you know, I agree with you. Municipal government affects people really in their backyards and front yards. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, But I think it also stems from the fact that not a lot of people understand what a municipal government does. Right. Mm -hmm. Until they go to Mac Island or, you know, until they hit that pothole. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know. All of a sudden they start screaming for yeah. it, right? Yeah. Why yeah. There is that blend, right, between the different boundaries and jurisdictions of the government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like when I, when I speak to people, a lot of a lot of people are wondering, what can I do or what can the, the councillors do for Highway 63, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a provincial jurisdiction. However, there are some things we can do. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the the voter turnout, I, I think they're doing something pretty interesting this year, which is actually having mm. polling stations on site. Yeah. Yes, right? and I That's think awesome. that, yeah, that bumps it up quite substantially, right? I was actually someone was asking me about how does it work if you're a camp resident? Like, uh, what's the exact uh, criteria for voting uh, yeah. in a municipal election? It's right. resident yeah. of Alberta, of course, isn't it? But you also have to be resident of, of Ward One of Ward One for at least six months, right? So the, a lot of these people that are flying fly out from wherever they they don't count yeah exactly well you have to have been a resident of Alberta for the last six months but normally or permanently resident here in the region yeah and you have to be a Canadian citizen and 18 years or older. Right. So, so a lot of these people that are flying from yeah. Edmonton and Calgary, because they're the ones that are asking, which are, I find quite interesting, yeah. because they're, that cool. shows an interest in the election. And it impacts their lives, too. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. Totally, completely, right? So No, and we get that feedback every single election. You know, people feel they should be able to vote wherever they are at the moment. But the problem, of course, is, you know, determining who's actually a resident and yeah. whether they're qualified to vote for the people that will represent them. Exactly. Right. right. If, you know, and it's all about uh, the whole reason some of this podcast uh, that we've talked about someone on this podcast mm-hmm. is having get an interest in your own hometown you know what I mean yeah. and, and having a say with what affects you on a, on a day-to-day life and, and like I said it's great that these people are involved and, and actually interested I was shocked that some of the people that would come to me and ask me about it I'm like I would never think that you were involved or interested in these types of, of well, things that's great yeah but unfortunately it's like these are all people that live in Calgary and they're just coming up and but flying in and out I, I, yeah and I'll tell you though that they it's really important to talk to them Absolutely. because they experience this region in a way that residents don't mm. and you know we've done camp surveys through um, OSDG over the mass number of years and I think they've really felt you know that sort of negative attitude towards them that they're coming here and they're not welcome um, yet when you look at what they contribute to our economy it is huge it like is. millions of dollars a year um, they are critical to the construction of the projects here and to the ongoing maintenance of you know any number of projects um, so you know from my perspective I don't know how you feel Matt but you know we should be we should be welcoming them we should be embracing them yeah. right yeah. yeah and that's a very good aspect of it too I know I'm guilty of, uh, of a lot of things towards quote unquote outsiders it's usually, it's, it's usually a, a journalist that only spends three days up here and then leaves but oh they no. stay three days now that's great <laughs> it's yeah. getting longer time on the ground <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. no, and that but that's a very good point, Christina. It's it's these people that are also uh, are constructing and maintaining yeah. some of these oil science yeah. plants that 
we've seen the benefits of, of them to but the it's, region. Yeah, yeah, and it, but it does have other challenges, and mm-hmm. I, I think we have to recognize that that you know you put thirty to forty thousand people into any community, um, they will have an impact on your community. Yeah. They have impact on the roads, on the services, on health care, um, and I think part of the work the municipality has done with the province has been, you know, how do we manage this situation? How do we get the kind of resources to build in the extra health care we need, um, even though they're residents and they don't get counted in that census? Right. Yep. Right. So we don't get any funding for them, but they have an impact on the community. Yep. They do. And it's also the other coin, too, right? They don't get counted in the census now, so do use the resources that the city yeah, provides right. as well. Yeah. Right? And they, they go back to their homes mm. and they're ambassadors for this region, whether or not they had a good time or, or a bad, bad time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think Christine's absolutely right. We have to start embracing them and turning, like, it's no longer sort of the, the townies and the fromaways, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it really is about um, saying, so this is the opportunity that's up here. Try and make it as uh, as pleasant as possible, and show them all the uh, the amazing things that we have here, and hopefully get them to to come here, right? And yeah, the and big goal is to move their families up here. I think is the mm-hmm. ultimate goal, or right? actually just start talking to their neighbors or and their too, friends yeah. and their families, and you know when they're sitting in the the lounge in Toronto, you know, waiting for their next flight, yeah, uh, saying, yeah, I just got back from Fort McMurray, and da 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 da, and it was or even the one that hears someone else trashing about this place and say, well, actually, I'm up there, and that's not really the, the exactly. most accurate case, right? right? Oh, and how many of us have sat on airplanes listening to those conversations? Absolutely, oh, tons. And I don't know about you, but I've taken a zero tolerance perspective uh-huh. on this now. I will turn around and I'll tell you, I'm sorry. So, you know? Just to let you know. I had podcast cards right i just like here listen to this i'd like this on facebook <laughs> the um so the if polling stations open at the camp is a new initiative and i think it's a great initiative not uh, at the it's camps. Not camp it's on site oh it's yeah. on site sorry yeah. okay yeah. good point yeah the one right but it's dedicated for the site you're right yeah. so cnrl has it syncrude has three polling stations and then nexon as well they have a Suncourt polling station. Suncourt didn't get on it this time around? They did not. Mm. Well, Suncourt is actually a bit closer to town, so the commute distance isn't so bad. It is, yeah, that's no. a good point. So, but I think it's also a productivity issue that, you know, when you have to have that many workers, by law, um, Leaving off work, hours, yeah, yeah, and uh, driving into town and possibly driving back, it adds to traffic, and yeah, um, yeah, it is a productivity issue. So I thought it was a brilliant idea. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that has an impact on the actual voter turnout, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we're a unique town, sorry, city that thinks it's a town mm-hmm. in that respect, right? And we have this this population that kind of ebbs and flows out to site, yeah. yeah. And so I think this is a great initiative. I'm glad mm-hmm. they're testing it out now. And we'll see how it works. And then, of course, there's another municipal election next year. Next right. year? The year yeah. after? No, nope, in October year. of 2013 will be a full municipal election. Oh, has it yeah. been that long already? I guess yeah. it has. Yeah, yeah, all those signs are going to go up all over again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but right. there's also, there was another change now, this time around, was the two weeks of advanced polls. Mm-hmm. Which, and I think that does excellent wonder. Like, yeah. I've heard so many people, like... The numbers that they're releasing, 600, 600 in one week. Today. I thought that was a good number, but some people were saying not so much. 
for an advanced poll, I thought that was really, really good for, like, well, what are we at now? Two weeks, or at that point, it would have been two weeks ahead of the of the actual election, or, or one week, One I week, guess. yeah. I thought that was a pretty good number, and I was kind of shocked to see some people talking negatively about the number. Well, but I guess the actual day, the day will come next week. Yeah, well, it where, averages out to about 100 people a day, right? Yeah, so, yeah. That's, yeah, that's good, mm. good. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another observation I have, that, you know, and all the people you talk to, I, I think... It's the Canadians who tend to be less committed to voting, unfortunately. Um, and I found in talking to the ethnic communities, I don't know if you found this too, Matt, but boy, are they committed to voting. <laughs> yep. Um, it is it such a pleasure. Brought up, and I think we touched yeah. on that the last podcast that me and you did about being thankful like of, of where you are compared to where it is in some other spots. Like Absolutely. I know I was, always, I was brought up in a military family, and I was always taught yeah. this, like, you're right for voting. Is what happened for years of, of fighting for the freedom to do it, right? right. Yeah, and, and some people choose to embrace it. Other people choose just to to, to, live, to continue to live the way they live, and that's fine. Yep. But I believe it's where it's your past experiences that influence Absolutely. how much you get involved with what happens around you, and right? how much you realize that what's at stake, mm-hmm. right? And, well, and you actually cherish yeah. that that ability to vote. Yeah, and I tell you, I've I've worked on a number of UN missions where we've set up elections in foreign countries like South Africa after apartheid and Cambodia after the poll part regime and there people died to vote also I'll tell quite, I'll literally, tell you, quite literally very literally yeah. um, you know the number of bodies we picked up off the ground who'd been blown up by landmines on the way to polling stations was just tragic and mm-hmm. and I think that that has an impact on someone's yeah on just on just their, their insights and, and their viewpoints yeah. and how involved they get into what literally happens around them and what literally we can control to an extent we do vote for the people that represent us, right? And I think yeah. just that concept, like I said, sometimes it takes a, a viewpoint of quite literally seeing what happens on the other side of the coin. The yes. day, and I always, I always think about it in my head too, the day that we don't get a vote, and so if something drastic changes and we lose that yeah. right, you will hear people come out of the woodwork complaining Absolutely. that has never voted in their life. But I also grew up in Australia where you had mandatory voting. That's yeah. what they have down yeah. there, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's the other end of the spectrum, so it, it kind of forces people to participate. Don't they have like a bunch of weird rules too where you can't talk about certain parties like on air or did I just hear that somewhere? Like there's certain restrictions to rules that like... Ladies and gentlemen, a Totsky fact. <laughs> That's some Totsky Warning, warning, warning. <laughs> so, uh, so it looks like you, you've got two potential uh, counselors that grew up in Australia. I, I, I Did didn't you? Know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I didn't we know that. There. We were there, there for we three go. years. So. The Wyoming huh, Podcast, Building Bridges. Wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> building Bridges. Yeah. Huh. So I want to hear some platforms, guys. It, like, like I said, I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to encourage people to get out and vote, but it's important to get educated when they vote as well. Yeah. Find out yeah. who's who, what's what. Give us uh, your guys' platform. Give us some background. Or act like you are talking to a million people, which I hope, sure, that they're listening. <laughs> and you got and you got them on a string. I just want to hear exactly. Give us some background and, and uh, what what do you guys envision for uh, for Fort McMurray? I keep hearing knocks too. Yeah. No, we're good. <laughs> all right. Um, Give her. Go ahead, Matt. All right. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. uh, so you know. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matt Ewan. Still, um, <laughs> he's in a tux. He, he's, he's everyone's just to the nice nines, here, yeah. looking very professional. Um, <laughs> and um, so, uh, you know, you know, for me, um, 
I like to think of myself as a product of Fort McMurray. I, I came here, I followed my wife up here, so I came here for love. And uh, I know, eh? <laughs> and it's and, not one you hear often, actually. Um, oh, yeah? But, oh, but really? I, oh, yeah. Uh, so, so I came up sight unseen. Uh, I didn't really have uh, a lot of uh, education to speak uh, for myself at the time. And um, I went to, uh, started, you know, I was working in the service industry downtown in the hotels for uh, almost a year and a half. And then one day I said, you know what, there's opportunities here. What do I need to do? So I went down to Keanu College, enrolled in night classes, uh, got my HR certificate, got my foot in the door with with Syncrude, um, continued to do night classes, you know, got a couple other certificates, eventually got my degree in communications, never, (laughs) ever thought I would get my bachelor's. I thought that window had closed. Um, And just, you know, things have gone well from there. Got one of my dream jobs as an HR advisor on site. Um, was able to join Leadership with Buffalo, which was a transformative experience. Um, and that gave me an opportunity to, to check something off my bucket list, which was, um, you know, bring a TEDx to Fort McMurray. So I was the chair of the TEDx Fort McMurray program. And, you know, I'm 33 years old. I'm, I'm almost right there on the median age. And um, I, I like to think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm proof of that if you work hard in this town, um, you can make significant strides. I can't imagine what the next six years are going to be like for my wife and I, uh, both professionally, personally. Um, the the ability for this community to actually change an individual is huge. And then I also think the ability for an individual to change the community is huge. Uh, and I want to give back. So um, quick thing about my platform. I'm not going to take too much more time. But um, big thing for me. an hour to fill. No, <laughs> I, I want to be. I want to be fair to, to all the other. We can elaborate. <laughs> yeah, um, the big thing for me is that I actually work on site, and there's nobody on council right now uh, that works on site, and they don't go through sort of the site experience. Um, and Melissa used to. Sorry, Melissa used to. Melissa used to be in my department, yeah. yeah. So I'm, oh, really? ho- I'm hoping to continue oh, the synchrode HR tradition. So. <laughs> um, oh, we gotta get Suncor in here. And uh, and. Um, and uh, for me, um, a couple of things I'm, I'm hoping to do is, one, represent site workers, uh, but also bring a little more transparency and accessibility to the RMWB. Um, I think that everybody is so busy in this town that um, we can start to bring in some more engaging tools in order to access people on their own time and their own schedules. I mean, there's definitely a place for the traditional methods of open houses and, and town halls and things like that. Um, but there are some really great tools that allow us to um, allow individuals to have complete control over sort of the budget and actually give the municipality their own version of a balanced budget. And that's a tool called citizenbudget.com, which they've instituted in Calgary and, and across municipalities across Canada. Um, and, uh, you know, I released my platform today, so everyone can just go to electmat.ca and take a look at a platform that was actually built off of listening to residents. That's why I took three weeks to uh, release my platform, because it's all about knocking on doors, talking to people, listening, and hearing about their hopes, challenges, and, and dreams for their region. Oh, excellent. Yeah. No, oh, excellent. It's, uh, it's one of the things that I think I've heard you say before on Twitter that I, I kind of didn't notice about the people on site on council and it's interesting I never knew that Melissa Blake was uh, actually a site worker at one point either Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out when that she actually got on council I don't know if I was she's in I think she's in her third term Uh, because she was council before mayor right yeah yeah okay I'm not I know it wasn't until only the last couple of years I've really 
dove into to local politics. I've always voted and always kind of followed it, but never to a point where oh, where does this person work exactly? Yeah. Right? And I find in the last couple of years too, like especially with uh, my community, my voice, a lot of is, is more. Uh, easier access to to talk to candidates to, yeah. to get candidates' opinions instead of absolutely like we were talking about off air. We were actually talking about the debate uh, that usually accompanies every election. That was usually people's turning point because that was their only source of information when it came to uh, what accounts or what a candidate thinks and, and how their platform works. Because the, when did websites become popular? Like what within the last decade you know what i mean like the late 90s i can't remember going on the internet too much to to go for for politics and that kind of thing so no it's very interesting yeah christine tell us all about yourself okay i uh, okay it's christine burton here <laughs> and she's dressed in a nice beautiful dress a gown is, yeah, yes gala here yes at the dining room table studios <laughs> with my my diamonds on yeah <laughs> So not. <laughs> uh, well, I'll start with a little bit of my background. I, I think we figured out. I, I I actually was born and raised in Australia. Don't have a funny accent anymore. <laughs> my mother was Canadian. Uh, but um, sort of started out my career working all across Canada, including BC and the Northwest Territories, primarily with Aboriginal communities. And uh, then in Toronto, where I, I managed to get through um, three university degrees. Oh, wow. I have a BA, MA in sociology and a, a law degree from Osgoode Hall. Oh, we're done. And, uh, and then was lucky enough to, uh, to work for the United Nations on a, a couple of really key missions, one being in Cambodia, which was a year-long posting helping to teach uh, human and civic rights to a devastated community that had just gone through the Pol Pot regime. And the UN had gone in to set up the first democratic election. So that was sort of one of those amazing experiences in life. Wow. Mm. And then um, had the chance to work on the South African election at the end of apartheid when Nelson Mandela was elected. Oh, wow. So it was a fantastic experience. And uh, in Cambodia, met uh, this my sweetie, the love of my life, uh, Julio Flores. Oh, right on. Who came to Canada with not much English. Um, and we moved to Fort McMurray because this was the place where opportunity lived. So, so just kind of sight unseen, just like Matt and just came up. Um, yeah, he, he managed to get a, a job through some contacts we had here. So he worked uh, managing aspect of the Suncor camp for okay. a number of years. Um, so we came with some suitcases and a baby. <laughs> <laughs> the most precious of all luggage. <laughs> uh, not much else, but, you know, like Matt, this was an amazing place of opportunity. If you're willing to work hard and get involved, it yeah. is such an amazing place. Um, and for me as a sociologist and lawyer, it was, it was particularly interesting, fascinating, <laughs> because you know, I, I got called to the bar and practiced law here, but then had the chance to work for Suncor. So, ha <laughs> <laughs> hey, They're one of our owners. I'm very proud of them. <laughs> yes, yeah, they are. true. I, know. I keep forgetting that point. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so I worked as a manager of stakeholder relation and regional consultation for about 10 years. So okay. really got to understand the business of oil. And, you know, I think Matt's right. I think you need that knowledge on council. I mean, I think we have to face the fact that we are an industrial town that is uh, growing beyond our borders um, and that understanding that industry is really critical to understanding the issues that are emerging and how we address them, Mm -hmm. how we develop those both short and long-range plans to address those issues. 
and you know my time with Soundcore was probably I mean, it was the best job I ever had but um, I actually got to roll up my sleeves and work on a lot of those issues as a result of both the pace and the extent of development I mean we grew so fast here I mean we were growing at a rate of 10% a year no other community in Canada um, experiences that kind of our pace. Growth. Our pace is absolutely through the roof. Yeah, and like that's one of the things that define this region, right? Is yeah. constant growth, right? Yeah, but it meant that this region really defied all of those traditional processes you have for funding things like infrastructure, like mm-hmm. roads and and sewage and water treatment plants. And this community struggled and struggled and struggled to convince the provincial government that this was actually happening. It was going to happen long term and that the impacts were going to be what they are now, which is you have a huge influx of people um, who need services. Right. And that they're a young population. You need schools. You need um, a hospital with room for all those babies to be born in. One you of the need- facts that floor a lot of people. 100 babies are born every month. I uh, tell that to some people. They, they say no. I'm like, it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Yep. And so as a result, you know, I got involved in childcare issues because childcare, lack of childcare was a huge barrier to women who, who had jobs at the plants. You know, we were looking at losing a number of workers simply because there wasn't anybody to look after right. their children. I remember these are young workers, so young children. Um, and then, you know, recreation became an issue and, uh, of course access to uh, English language services became an issue when more and more um, immigrants and uh, families, particularly from Venezuela, started that first wave here. So, um, gotten involved in a huge number of issues. Uh, One I spent a lot of time on were the Aboriginal issues, because this industrial development happens on the traditional lands of five First Nations and the Métis locals. And uh, it, it had a huge impact on their way of life. So, you know, all industry uh, worked collaboratively to start addressing those issues. So that now we have communities that are, you know, addressing their housing issues, that are um, training their young people so they get employment. But most of all, boy, they ramped up business development. Mm. You know, I think Syncrude and Suncord just celebrated a billion dollars worth of contracts with Aboriginal companies recently. Wow. And that's a huge testament. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the most, one of the most important things that defines this region is our ability to work collaboratively. We work together here. Most people think that the companies are sort of working against each other, that we're sort of, you know, yeah. competitors and, and, you know, keep things to ourselves. Mm-mm. No. It doesn't work that way here. Well, All those companies latest, work together. Uh, that latest technology, or the tailings, uh, yes. or the, uh, I think it was the... The tailings technology. Yeah, the ta- the, the, yeah. all six uh, major oils yeah. companies are now sharing uh, tailings technology yeah. information. I think that was a huge leap into into showing that this region yeah. that we are all one. Yes, we are different companies. It kind of everyone kind of does things a little bit differently, but essentially mm-hmm. we're all here to protect the environment, to obviously uh, and, and handle our world's energy needs. And I think that was yeah. a really good thing to see yeah. when everyone's actually trying to to make some collaborative efforts and and, and talk to each other about sharing their yeah. technologies, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's particularly important on the environmental technologies mm-hmm. because I think all of us realize, you know, that, that, that industrial development here does have an environmental impact. 
and that we must steward to those impacts. And the technology advances here in the region have been phenomenal. These are world-class technological advances. We've got so much to be proud of here. Absolutely. And we don't have enough chance to tell our story. We don't. No. Don't have enough chance to break, <laughs> essentially, right? But but that's what we need to change, right? Yeah. I mean, we need to. Um, I feel as though we've been kind of on the defensive recently, mm. um, and um, I think we just need to let our actions talk for us because there's so many really good things that are happening yeah. here, and we just need to let those stories get out. Um, you know, which is why we had those 11 great speakers at TEDx Fort McMurray, yeah, right? And actually, I, um, I got to bring up. Uh, <laughs> you'll never forget his name. Uh, Waste as a resource. Mr. Kevin Scoble. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I forgot his name the other day when we met. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I called him like David. I'm like, oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry. Uh, for those uh, that don't quite know the inside joke at TEDx, uh, Matt was doing an excellent job emceeing and introduced everybody. <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't uh, forgot the name of the one person that he knew the whole topic and, and totally enjoyed him perfectly yeah. and couldn't remember his name. Good job, Matt. <laughs> but I actually brought him up in a conversation at work the other day where we all watched his YouTube video and it must have been like a group of 20 people about waste as a resource and I've seen a lot of uh, jaws drop absolutely as to, as to what he said and they're like this is impossible I'm like, yeah. yes it clearly is he's given you exact reasons definitions examples the whole nine yards and right? that's just a small portion of some of the things that are happening up yeah. here we need more of those success stories shared right um, like 250 people a day are watching those YouTube videos and that may not seem like a large amount but that's wow. 250 stories that are positive stories yeah. from a yeah. resident that are being shared mm. and that's just a small fraction of what's happening up here I'll tell you one of my other fun jobs is I actually get to tour visiting groups uh, around the region. That would be interesting. Yeah, I had a a, a recent group of British MPs, um, some who were known for their anti-oil stand. British MPs, really? Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So we toured Shell site and uh, we toured the community and we went into Fort Mackay and talked to some of the leaders and the elders there. And they came away saying what every visiting group says, which is, we had no idea Mm -hmm. what you guys do here. We had no idea. There's so much going on, and it's so positive. And, you know, when you look at the reclamation, the reclamation is real. That when you talk about the technology, the technology changes here are real. Mm-hmm. I remember one group of um, graduate students I had from New York University. And I actually took them home so they could have lunch on my deck. And they're looking oh, around really going, where's the pollution? Right. Right? They come from New York City. And they're going, where's the pollution? And I said, this is it. Yeah. And I say, you want to know what the air quality is? You go on the WBA website and... Just go to the building now yeah. up in Thickwood. It's just right by the show yeah. station there on the SEMA's... Oh, you can go yeah, you can go on. You yeah. can go online and see what the air quality index is uh, any time of the day. Yeah. Uh, they were stunned. It, it's amazing with the tour yeah. groups. Like, I, I was a tour guide. My first job with Syncrude was a tour guide. And, um, you know, we, we took, um, you know, dignitaries around. But then it was yeah. the public. The yeah. public that would come up to Fort McMurray and they get on the bus and they they go for tours Suncor. They go for tours Syncrude, and you can see um, their misconceptions just kind of melt away. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they realize that you know these companies aren't in it to just make a big mess of things and they just walk away with you know yeah. large fistfuls of cash to the bank. But it it's, it is about the responsibility that we have. Um, and I was touring the Swedish ambassador one day, and I made a joke that maybe we could have a partnership with IKEA to help <laughs> ship all these large loads up the highway in a nice flat compact yeah, form. Yeah. Put, right? we'll put them all together when we yeah, get up here. Just a really big Allen wrench, you know. Uh, and um, 
you know, in a deadpan tone, and I'm not sure she really got the effect. But uh, anyway, <laughs> well, don't, don't you find that like, like, sorry, Christina, interrupt the, but no. just like, don't you find that all these things are amazing feats, but then it just takes one visit from a, a Hollywood director, and it seems like it's one step forward, four steps back, and the, mm. to me, that's what I find most frustrating, right? And that's what. Yeah. It's it seriously like to hear these people like on Twitter for the whole Keystone campaign. Like, there's so many people making a judgment based off of one person's that hasn't even been here, based on what they're saying is oh the Keystone the Keystone pipeline is wrong and, and does this this and this and all of a sudden you get this outcry of people that are opposing that they don't even know what you ask them to define what Keystone is and they have no idea. And to yeah. me, that's what drives me nuts because like. I've seen these tours I've been on those tours my first uh, a glimpse of the oil sands as a kid when I was up here visiting my dad uh, we lived in Edmonton and he did the commute back and forth for two <laughs> years he worked mm-hmm. up here and then was back home uh, every weekend which is something I could never do I'll give him all the credit in the world for that but one uh, time during the summer he brought me up here I got to stay the week up here with him and I did the oil sands tour in, in the in the diversified bus from the oil sands uh, discovery center. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got stuck actually. I thought that was the most awesome. uh, great. <laughs> and show to show how old it is. Anyone that knows oil sands mining, like we actually got to see drag lines and buck wheels in actions, which is quite an old technology in this day and age. Ooh, the dinosaurs! Yeah, <laughs> and uh, like you, and you see it firsthand, and your view completely changes on it. And to me, like I said, that's what frustrating is. Literally, one person, one high profile person's opinion. We'll say something, and it seems like all that work is just gone. And that's what I find former brands of region one of the biggest. But yeah. I, that, that's the new media, right? Yeah. Uh, you have a new social class, and they're the celebrities, and it doesn't matter if they have an informed mm. opinion or not. But they get the the airtime, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and they miss they miss the context of the argument. Mm. You know, in terms of where do you think your fuel comes from? I mean, how do you, you know, balance your energy needs as a nation, but also as a continent when you look at, you know, our relationship with the United States? Because one of the comments we hear a lot, of course, is, you know, why don't we, why don't we refine the, the, the crude here? Um, why are we sending it south without understanding that, you know, a lot of the companies that operate here are multinational. Yep. You know, they have assets that can refine in the United States. Are you going to turn around and make them build refineries say, here? build another couple billion dollar project when they already have one sitting there that yeah. can take the load yeah. just a couple hundred kilometers away. When people are already complaining about the impacts of, you know, the emissions from those kinds of plants. So, I, I mean, we have to think, I think as a region, we have to start thinking more globally. Mm-hmm. We are part of a global economy mm. and we are a very critical part of that global and national economy mm. and I think we, we, has to, we have to understand that and, yeah. and I think just the everyday layman they think of it as energy and mm-hmm. it's not it is so much more than energy it's the, the alarm clock that they press in the morning it's the toothbrush that they're the using toothpaste. right yeah. the it's totally right. right it's it's the Advil or the aspirin that they're <laughs> yes, taking exactly yeah. Yeah. right yeah. Um, it, it's just way more than energy it, yeah it gets those products to you and it supports our civilization so right. and where else in the world do you have such a strict regulatory regime Absolutely. as we do here in Canada and particularly in Alberta uh, the Basque River what is it the most regulated uh, water body in all the world I thought I heard read a stat on like, absolutely that's incredible yep incredible yeah. itself right? where where you know where private industry you know works within a t- 
tightly controlled regulatory environment to produce a resource that's belong it belongs to the citizens. Um, those companies pay royalties, um, and that it goes on to a free market mm-hmm. uh, in a free market economy. Very few of the oils, oil, the, the world's oil reserves, actually exist in free market free economies. Market. Yeah, and the whole ethical oil debate. I forget who who uh, what's his name. Ezra Levant. Yeah. Yes, I have yet to hear him speak, and I've been dying to go to one of his sessions. Yeah. I think he'd be an amazing person to yeah. listen to. Well, that's just one. I, I think one of the factors that one has to consider in the context of oil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also, it's one of the factors for this region. I think it's 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 one of the bigger ones that makes us such a unique city, and and it's not just city, but a unique mm. municipality, because it's one that I think defines the individuals that come here. You know yeah, what I mean? Like very much. It, Absolutely, sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, entrepreneurial like, spirit. Yes. Yeah, that pioneering spirit. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's incredible. Yeah. And you know, for those that don't want that, you know, maybe they come, they test it out, or they visit, and you know, maybe it's not for me, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But man, for those people that thrive on those kinds of things, yeah. Um, what a what a great place. We are the right place to be. Absolutely. <laughs> like uh, at the the Community Image Summit, the the second one that we had um, this mm-hmm. year. Uh, sort of central theme was man I should have been I should have come here sooner like we kept hearing that over and over again and that's definitely I should have come here a decade sooner Mm. like you know absolutely even gets to a point now where I say I've been here 20 years and I consider myself I've always considered myself a local because this is where I grew up I went to high school my family's here this is where I've Mm -hmm. laid roots right so I may not be born here but I feel I'm very much a part of this community as one that has been and I feel like a lot of people can say that, too, when they move in here and they mm-hmm. actually make this place their home. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, you know, we have to recognize that this is not a static region nope. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. It's growing quickly. But the the nature of the community is changing. And we have a, a far higher percentage of immigrants and people new to Canada. And that means that... You know, we've got the opportunities to get to know them and mm-hmm. uh, um, experience their culture, but also to help them out in in terms of integrating into our community here. I mean, we need some. Oh, we need way better settlement services for them and more language training. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly, you know, these are issues outside the municipality's jurisdiction. But you know, they often come highly qualified, like doctors and lawyers and engineers, yeah. and they can't get. They can't get their accreditation yeah. here, and they're working as janitors. And, and I, I shake my head with a pega sometimes. Yeah. Like oh. uh, you know, yeah. I, I get it. Um, those, those rings should be difficult to get. Yeah. But at the same time, we have some extremely qualified, competent individuals. Yeah. Um, there's got to be yeah. a way that we can streamline in, in order for for them to get their full status, so that they can actually start doing what they want to do, which is be engineers. And that falls under doesn't fall under municipal jurisdiction. I think. No, 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 no. I guess it depends on what. A discipline you're you're looking at, yeah. right? So, yeah. but you know um, about the language services. What's really great with um, um, what's happening with RMWB is coming up the yeah. leadership boot camp, and it's yeah. so this is a free service. It's going to be offered to 400 residents in our community, and it's going to be available in multiple different languages: Spanish, English, French, Tagalog. Like, how how great is that going to be? Tagalog, Tagalog. So uh, the Philippines language of oh. the Philippines. Learn something new every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, never heard of that one. Wow! No, I've, I've got, and little, I work with a lot of them too. They yeah. never, they always call it Philippine language. Yeah, I've got a little mestiza goddaughter, so um, I know a few words here and there. So, oh, cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, actually, and yeah, I heard lots about. I heard lots of good things about that leadership boot camp. Actually, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a very, a very hot topic come the fall, September start date. Yeah. I do believe. Right? So, so for anyone listening that is that is interested in um, increasing their leadership capacity skills, mm-hmm. this is the thing to do. Sign up; it's free, uh, and uh, really just grab the bull by the horns because you're able to do it on your own time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, th- I think we're going to see a, an, an amazing and immediate impact on our community uh, and the leadership capacity that we have here. And we're, we're going to see the effects of this for years to come absolutely. in a positive way. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's one thing, like I said, we talk about region and the, the types of individuals that come here. And I think a lot of them do have that that leadership ability and leadership qualities too, right? Because you, even you said entrepreneurial spirit, like a lot of people come up here wanting to take the bull by the horns and wanting to take that opportunity to excel. And I think like something like uh, the leadership boot camp, the even leadership with Buffalo, like these groups can only just thrive. Mm. Uh, yeah. These types of, and people can only just keep like I, I think leadership with Buffalo has full classes every year since yep. their inception. And right? they, like, they just increased their numbers from twenty oh, to twenty five for okay. the the session that I was just in. So, which is which is nice to see, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they've been. It's an amazing organization. I've been lucky enough to be a mentor to a couple of the students and to do some talks there. And uh, yeah, I, it's just an example of some of the wonderful resources in this community. And it really is only a small example. Like I find ever since I started this podcast, very surprised of what is available out there to, mm-hmm. to any pretty much walk of life. Like I know I've been uh, getting kind of deep into the uh, art scene and uh, uh-huh. just so <laughs> yes. to be on the arts council <laughs> that I figure we can just kind of touch on while I got you here at Dining Table Studios. <laughs> you know, I, we have such an amazing arts community, but it, it really hasn't identified itself as a community. So about a year and a half ago, we were lucky to to have a, a visiting artist here from from the Netherlands, actually, uh, who traveled all over the world with Shell in very small communities. And in every community she went to, there was an art gallery, there was an arts community, and they got together, and, you know, and they really worked on those wonderful quality of life issues. Hmm. She was shocked there was nothing here. <laughs> so we pulled together a few artists. We started, first of all, the Wood Buffalo Artists Forum, and set up the gallery at Mac Island. Yeah. Yeah. And as uh, very quickly got about 120 artists signed up, and there's more signing up every day. And uh, for the first time, they got a chance to exhibit their work in a community gallery. And um, as a result, their work has changed. The community is now getting more cohesive. So then we bumped it up another level and said, well, listen, all the arts organizations in town need... They need to be supported, enhanced, developed, um, so that we have one of those really vibrant communities, you know, where there are festivals and concerts and art things going on all the time, because the research shows that people are attracted to those kind of communities. Mm-hmm. It's a f- building block to a hometown city. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. So we set up Arts Council with Buffalo. And I think that's nothing but going to be good for this region. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I look forward with a very close eye to become uh, involved with that council because it's it's something that I've taken a, an interest to, mm. especially since I started this podcast. Now, I've had arguments about people, oh, podcast doesn't consider art, and, and that's just not a, a definition yeah. that I'm going to go into. It's, <laughs> it's more of a fact that I love to have that kind of stuff involved into the community. Yeah. And to me, it's it's being a spectator more than anything. Like, I love going to piano plays. I, I helped Tito film his movies. And, and with Tito mm-hmm. being a filmmaker, with and mm-hmm. uh, even uh, as you heard on the start of this show that I'm going to input, you heard the ad for the 2012 Interplay Film Festival that we've just uh, finalized the details oh, on. Wow. 
awesome. which will be coming uh, back, and we're going to be accepting submissions on starting now. By the time you hear this, actually, you can go on uh, ymanpodcast.com to get those details. Texting throw, my brother-in-law right now. Throw my, well, don't tell him to go to the pod. I, it's going to be up tonight. <laughs> but yes, definitely. Because Extra that, pressure for you. <laughs> but, but here's the vision for the Arts Council, that you know projects like that should have somewhere to go for you know resources but also you know for some help for funding mm-hmm. that you know every community our size you know like Red Deer and Medicine Hat and other smaller communities have arts councils that are funded through the municipality to uh, to develop that arts council to set up public art to you know to fund Development of the All arts in the community. Of arts. And that's, yep. and that's both visual and performing arts. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, with the with the latest developments that happened with Keanu, I think it just increased the need that, that the council needs to. I'm glad it got created. I think the focus yeah. needs to be on it. And it's well, it's actually, the um, the council just did a presentation to the board of governors at Keanu, and we will be working collaboratively to um, help develop programs in that facility very good yeah you heard it here first folks that is amazing yeah. news yeah that is excellent so 15 minutes left guys uh, i'm just kind of curious give me a top five of what you guys think is the hot topics in fort mcmurray for this election do you want to bounce back and forth what do you want to do oh yeah for sure okay yeah. well i mean the the big one i think uh, is highway 63 at the moment there's a lot of people talking yeah. about there highway is. 63 and i'm curious as to hear you guys' opinions on it or points points of view more or less is because since it is such a juris uh, a provincial jurisdiction mm-hmm. how what kind of role can the city play in this well that was actually the question so i was on the um there was that uh, town hall, that yeah. telephone town hall the other day. Which 3,500 people chimed in on. So mm-hmm. I think yep. it just goes to show you how wide, and they're from all over the province. Yep. So how wide this uh, how wide this topic is and how uh, people are interested in it, right? Yeah, and, and that was actually my question to Mike Allen, right? So, I mean, obviously he's, a, he's an ex-counselor. He's now our new MLA. He's the advisor to the Highway 63 um, program. And, um, you know, he had a very good answer to, so how can the municipality support um, the provincial government? And that's just being a strong proponent for ensuring that the residents are safe when they're traveling, making sure that every single opportunity that they have, you get a chance to um, talk to any representative from the provincial government. And it's also holding Mike and Don accountable. Not that I think we're going to need to do that, because mm-hmm. I think they're, they're very, very passionate individuals. They live in the community. They know what it's like to travel that highway. They've all lost friends to that highway and they are very much committed if they could wave a magic wand and and have it twinned quadded whatever the next exponential thing is (laughs) yeah then they would do it um but we're facing a reality here and i think they're taking a short medium and long-term approach to fixing it yeah the municipality i think acts as an advocate for this community who's a major user of that of that road and it has i think far more components to it than people realize it's not just about people driving their trucks up and down that road it's about the heavy loads it's about the dangerous goods on that road um it's about driver behavior i mean it's a whole complex of issues that need to be addressed at the same time because you can twin any road in the world if you've got unsafe drivers on it you will not be safe. And it's one of the things that I'm pretty active on on one of the Facebook pages, and someone, everyone was calling for, oh, the June 29th date, you're still going to be waiting for information after the report, and everyone's just kind of screaming, because uh, we're in this lull period right now, waiting for this report to get released, and I keep trying to tell people, more so just to say it, I guess, is to 
let's before we start organizing before we start doing the next big rally or the next big step let's hear what mike has to say in his report and mm-hmm. what the government comes yep. back we'll then make our next move and a lot of people are calling me an optimist and it's funny because as much as i don't mind being called an optimist i really <laughs> think my approach is more being realistic and i like how you said that matt it's the point of everyone needs to take a realistic look at this approach if obviously the government can wave a magic wand and make the road exactly how everyone wants it i'm pretty sure they would do it but they can't there's a realistic approach that needs to take place and i just wish more people would kind of and that's funny how i'm saying this because i'm probably the first person not to do it but think before they post (laughs) 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 but i guess when it comes to this highway 63 issues it's one of the things i think people need to look at they need to look at things realistically well i mean so so i i got off my bus today at 5 30 and i went door knocking right away right and i had a 50 minute conversation with someone who lost a friend in that uh in that last incident that we had right Mm -hmm. and um that's what the conversation's about so i mean that was the, I guess, the easy one to start your list yeah. of five, but it's Highway 63. Yeah. I think it's on everyone's it's definitely mind. definitely a hot issue. Yeah, and I think we have, there's a blend of issues. And we have some really core issues which have been ongoing for a number of years now around land release and transportation. And I know people are getting tired of hearing about it, but <laughs> uh, the fact is they are really, they're base issues in this municipality, and it's taken an enormous amount of work through the municipality, through Oil Sands Secretariat, to identify those um, barriers to, uh, I guess, this region's ability to cope with that growth. Um, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people um, don't understand the complexity of those issues, but they really are core issues. And we have to we have to keep pushing really hard on getting, you know, well-managed land release so that we can get the land to set up those commercial businesses and the retail. We can and, adapt. We can yeah, grow. Yeah, it's to get houses built in time. I mean, there's a five-year lead time from when you clear a piece of land to when someone's got the key to the front door. And I think that's a lot of an aspect a lot of people don't know is mm-hmm. like I consider. I I consider myself very much a commoner. Like it's, uh, I've only there's nothing you don't common look common. About you. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm just saying. Like uh, besides for when this podcast started, where I've gotten to a little bit more in depth of how our municipality and how a city council works, and the land releases was one of the aspects I didn't really know of how deep it goes. Mm. Yeah. Like it's just I was the one that said just just build. Why, why aren't we just building? What's the problem there? And I think uh, the more people communicate that this is how the process works, and this is where we're getting hung up on, and this mm. is. How how it goes. I think the more educated the person will be of how, okay, well, this is what we must do to, to get where we need mm-hmm. to go in our growth development. But th- that has that has consumed a lot of our energy and resources and, and time over the past few years. But we've grown to another place, which mm-hmm. is then it's really important to address those issues. We need, you know, bigger water treatment plants and sewer plants and all those kinds of things. But we also have quality of life issues. Mm-hmm. You know, this is about creating a balance between those really core issues and the the issues that make this a really amazing place to live. Issues that make all the difference in the world sometimes yeah. to some people. And I know, you know, a lot of people complain, for example, about all the landscaping and flowers and community <laughs> and bloom stuff that's, that's happened and, you know, that's not a priority. But I'll tell you what a difference it has made mm-hmm. to people's pride in this community. 
right? And you see the garbage is starting to decrease because you know now it's a really beautiful looking place, yep. and people are, are are have that better sense of belonging. To give an example of what Christine's talking about, for anyone that knows Thickwood, a Thickwood area, yeah. when you're going up Thickwood Boulevard and you just pass the M and M meat shops, and you're going into like you're looking up, there's like a little hill that goes into the Sobeys parking lot. Yeah. Compare that. Look at that nowadays, like within the last year, and compared to three years ago there is a tenfold beautiful difference than it was a nice looking walkway some flowers like it just looks ten times better and that mm-hmm. completely changes a person's opinion on a region I think or like a specific an area of yeah. town and, and oh, yeah. like if anyone knows what I'm talking about just take special attention next time you're driving past because I think you'll know what I'm talking about and there's a jaw dropping difference or the hill up to Abyssand which is those beautiful yeah. Yeah. yeah it was freaked me out the first time I saw it because it's like <laughs> I don't go to Abyssand all that often and it was like a good couple years that I've been up there and I've seen them, I'm like the aliens have landed. <laughs> well, it's those little things, right? That, so, so not only the little things like when we're stuck in traffic that can kind of make our day not go well, kind of like a domino effect, right? But you yeah. can have that reverse kind of pay it forward effect. Like if we if we just have a general sense of you know this place is is, is nice to be in, it's beautiful to be in. Um, that's just going to allow everyone to kind of maybe take a breath, sit back, relax, and really start to enjoy the life that we have here. And we have that opportunity because of where we are, surrounded by you know. A Fast, wealthy resource. We got a lot of smarty pants people up here <laughs> working on trying to figure it out. And we have these amazing cultures that are, are here working here that we have this opportunity to totally rebuild our city. Yeah. We like we can do it. And that's what the, the municipality is starting to do. And we're gonna see some drastic changes in the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Like oh, yeah. when I you know, when when I think about what the next thirty years is gonna be like, Christine. <laughs> like it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a completely well, different place. Well, guess what? We're going to have a we're going to have a, a senior center, you know, long term care facility. Because I, I don't. Where's that going to be located again? <laughs> <laughs> and who did that work? <laughs> oh, the municipality yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Willow Square, yeah. next to the hospital. Yeah. Oh, it's not conveniently, conveniently located. Conveniently yeah. located downtown. Yeah. And you know, for the the fifty long term care patients currently on the fourth floor and spilling over yeah. to the third floor, um, they will have an appropriate place to live and, and enjoy the, the rest of their lives. Um, the fact now that you can't even take a wheelchair out of the hospital and go for a, a bit of a stroll down the sidewalk because you're Says sitting... wonders. Yeah. Um, and that there's nowhere sunny to sit inside the hospital. And it's just... It's, it's, not, it's not good for our pioneers, our seniors. No. They deserve way, way, way better than this yeah so and that's you know the flowers i mean looking after our seniors you know having a vibrant arts culture all of those things together really make for a much better quality of life here absolutely no and and like you said like it's the quote-unquote the little things they're really not that little when you look at them but those do make all the difference in the world for community like i know uh, i'm on a wednesday uh Wednesday garbage pickup. We just got our curbside recycling. Oh, yeah. I'm still going through the paperwork actually, trying to figure <laughs> it out. But to me, it's it's nothing but positive. It right. really is, right? Yeah. And it, it's it's all looking up. Like you hear some people complain about it, and it's come on, like it, it's become a forefront issue. Whether you guys like it or not is what I try to tell them. Like it's 
recycling needs to happen. Like we've all seen Wally. Come on, like we all know where it's headed, right? <laughs> like we, I mean, we can do so much better with the recycling. Like even like mm-hmm. sometimes you have events that are here in town, and there's no um, recycling bins, yeah. and lots of bottles get thrown away. And I don't know. There, there's just something about the we're we're starting to improved. change that culture, right? Mm-hmm. Continual improvement. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Even a really great system or a really great event or a place like Mac Island. It can always be improved, right? And we're, yep. we're seeing some really great advancements come out from there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it is the little things, but it's also the holistic, right? The entire thing, like the traffic and the infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. And that's all being uh, taken care of. And I think we're going to see some pretty big improvements, especially up across the bridge with uh, the interchanges that are coming up. That's going to make such a huge difference. I think that I can't wait for them to be finished. Oh, I yeah. can't <laughs> wait either. Like each time I go downtown, I'm looking right on there. Another pillar is left on the, on the well, I guess, what's it, that bridge called now? The I think, I think it was the Grant McEwen was the one with the green. And I forget what the other one was starting. Yeah, I call the new bridge the the functional bridge. Functional bridge, okay. <laughs> because <laughs> middle bridge, I guess I call it now. It gets the job done, you know. Um, They're close to getting that middle bridge finished, and, and it just like I said, I just get more excited the the more times I go downtown. So, but all of that has been a result of some really solid long range planning, hmm. and I'll tell you, it was not easy. You know, that that took industry and the municipality working collaboratively to uh, to convince the provincial government that these were priorities and that they had to be done on an on an escalated timeline mm. that you couldn't wait 20 years to re to do another bridge yeah. um, because you know for example the heavy loads actually you know are, are Damaging the bridge. Well, yeah, so the wear and tear on the bridge, mm. um, that it's not a normal traffic load. No. No, it's not. I know there's a very famous video of one of the bridges, the 102, I think it's the CNRL project, the Horizon project, where you see the effect on a, what a heavy load they're bringing up a coker, yeah. mm. and you can see the roll on the bridge. Like, like these bridges are specially designed. Like, they got to be able to handle this type of capacity. Yeah. And you're right. Like, it gets to a point where you say, when our region's expanding, the stuff that we plan for, we gotta we gotta change it. We gotta adapt to be able to adapt our yeah. plans because yeah. to be able to adapt to the situations that we're in. Right? We're unique, and the targets always seems to be moving. Yeah. And I think the provincial government yeah. is has realized that. Yeah, but one of the challenges we faced over the last, I guess, fifteen or so years <clears throat> was that you know a lot of that understood understanding. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking over your microphone That's here. That's right. A lot of that understanding came about through relationships built between people and the municipality and people in the, the province. And then when the staff turn over, um, you lose that that knowledge, that collective knowledge, and you find yourself having to start all over What's again. What's the thing I kept hearing? It was yeah. hard to keep a chief administration officer for the longest time. Was that yeah. one and of the things I heard? and. And that's why, you know, the retention of your staff and that collective knowledge is so incredibly important Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And, and to kind of bring it back is, is to have these right people on council to bring mm-hmm. that knowledge from the different, their, their own different experiences from their different walks of life yeah. uh, is absolutely critical, which is why I think it's very important for everyone to uh, definitely get out and vote. Yeah. on June 25th and be educated uh, a great great resources besides this lovely podcast uh, <laughs> is uh, my community my voice uh, it's actually the talking stick is the portion of the website uh, and it was brought by the Chamber of Commerce and I think it's actually a pretty good resources to get some good background info on, on, on the candidates that, uh, that chose to respond some you see questions on there that uh, some are there uh, some re- uh, candidates respond some don't uh, but definitely uh, everyone's got their websites too Christina where can they get some more information on you 
www.christineburton.ca. <laughs> there you go. Matt, where's all your info at? Mine is electmatt.ca. Uh, and I'll also follow up with the My Community, My Voice. So I think it's important that uh, everyone goes and has a look at our answers. Um, I think that there are some... Watch the videos. Watch the videos. Yeah. I'll start the videos. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there are some candidates, such as Christine and myself, that put a little more time and effort into yeah. uh, the answers. And um, I think My Community, My Voice are going to be publishing You know whether or not their report card. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's not they a report one. card. It's just going to be how many questions did a candidate answer? Oh, it's a report card. And <laughs> and, and there were yeah. some people that that answered you know one line, and there are some people like Christine responses. and myself that actually have detailed responses. Mm. And so it really does kind of give you a little more information about you know the the um, the candidates and and how they respond. And, and like I said, uh, uh, kudos to the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Diane and, and her team. Uh, great job on that website. Yeah. I think it's been uh, an integral part of every election that uh, affects Fort McMurray. And as I've already said several times this podcast, I think the city council position is the most important for our region from my perspective because it, it, it's literally quite our own uh, backyard, as, as Christine said. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not for those that uh, I've talked to, and I think you guys know who I'm talking about. It's just because you see signs or you candidate that doesn't have a sign – <laughs> doesn't mean you should or shouldn't vote for him. Go into a bit of background. Oh, my goodness, I tell you. The I mean, signs. I, the signs. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how you feel, Matt, but, boy, I'd, I'd certainly like a rule or two which limited the number of signs out there. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's difficult, too, with all the construction zones yeah. because that really limits where you can actually place signs. Now you're seeing, like, just masses of congregations of signs yeah. uh, in certain spots, right? But th- those signs are really expensive. And my concern is you got a candidate who maybe doesn't come with a big pocketbook yeah. um, you know it gets marginalized in this process if it comes down to a sign war is how people choose their candidates yeah yeah and and one of the things that I know I was an advocate of is oh just get out and vote just get out and vote but what I'm slowly learning is yes get out and vote but do a little bit of background know yeah. who you're voting for yeah. vote for the person that you want yeah. to represent yeah. your yeah. voice right well be a voter Right, and that means yeah, you don't just go and you know tick the box. You do a little homework. Just yeah. because you're eligible, you know, turn that into I voted, right? Yeah, and you're right. Do that yeah. research and yeah. and like I said, uh, mycommunitymyvoice dot com. They they lay it out really good. I think for everyone to to have a gander at in one spot and to really get to get to know some of the issues. Uh, guys, uh, thank you very much. Uh, for answering my emails and coming on this goofy little uh, podcast there that I that I try to make sound legit every once in a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, muchas gracias. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it, guys. Um, so, for the YMM podcast, on behalf of Tito, I'm Totsky. You say your name. <laughs> say my name. <laughs> and I'm. There's a little gag we do at the end of every show. We gotta say each other's names. Oops. <laughs> All right, we'll start it again. On behalf of for us. No, I screwed up. You got him flustered. <laughs> no one's ever no 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 told what to do before. I, you, I can't explain it properly. Um, for the YMM podcast, on behalf of Tito, I'm Totsky. I'm Christine Burton. And I'm Matt Ewens. We'll see you next set. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of the uh, YMM podcast. Uh, and just like 10 minutes ago, I am still Todsky. Uh, Tito can't be here today. The, uh, but since Tito's not here, I got some great, great guests at the dining room table tonight. Who we got? Uh, my name is Tyron Alt, and I am running for council. Hey, thank you for coming, sir. Thank you. Who else? Colleen Tatum. 
Keith McGrath, council candidate for uh, Ward 1. Right on. Murray. Colleen, Keith, thank you very, very much uh, for you guys accepting my email. Uh, basically, it was a kind of a shock to me when uh, the initial nomination day came out and I seen 14 candidates running for two council positions. And I was just trying to kind of put it into perspective, like... The, Ward one is usually just six positions, right? That's that's, that's correct. Yeah. And what is it normally like for candidates? Like, say if it's a if it's a normal election, like have we gotten fourteen before? I think the uh, the most I've seen was about seventeen candidates. Wow, for six positions. For six positions. And now it's fourteen for two. Like, did that come as a shock to any of you guys? Like, because it at first when I heard that number, I thought for sure they were talking about like even like the trustees. Mm-hmm. And when I looked deeper into it, it was like nope, fourteen candidates for two positions. I was like, wow, this is this is a good sign. I think actually, it really shows the interest that people have uh, in the political aspect of this region, right? Oh, it's great to see. I think uh, I was expecting a lot of candidates, maybe not this many, but it's great to see the interest that's in the community right now and shows that uh, people are excited about the future. Yeah. And it's like from all walks of life, too, I find you get a lot of different backgrounds. You get a lot of, a lot of different people with, with different experiences, I find. And, and it's great. And thank you very much for answering my, my emails. Uh, I sent it to everyone that I had an email for. I don't think I had an email. I just for one particular candidate. Uh, so out of 13, uh, six of you guys responded. So thank you very much for joining my goofy little uh, show in the middle of my house so <laughs> appreciate you having us i think that um a little bit closer i appreciate it um we appreciate the opportunity to get out here and talk i think there are 14 candidates but there are about six of us that are really in the game that really want it and are really out there actively trying to get our message out trying to talk to the citizens so we I think it's great that there are a lot of people running. I think there are about six people that are really, really seriously committed to it. Yeah. So thank you for the opportunity hey, to come and talk. No problem. Like I said, it, it, uh, I like doing this type of things because I've gotten in, I've gotten an interest into it. I've always considered myself. A, I've always I was taught growing up to be a voter. This is a, a right that you've been blessed with that you've been given. I come from a military family, so I've always voted. But since within the last five years, I've actually taken a deeper interest in the whole process and, and what it takes to be a candidate and what it actually takes to to put yourself on that ballot because that's a huge leap from just your ordinary person that runs a podcast mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at his dining room table, right? And Keith, you're actually one of the first ones that answered, and I appreciate that. You were all over it, sir. Well, I, I certainly, uh, uh, my first, uh, I entered the first by-election in 1997 against uh, the famous John Vibo and uh, the famous Tom <laughs> Griffin. And I've always had the, uh, the willing to serve, and uh, I've never let uh, a loss of an election uh, term, turn me off or think any less of anybody or Fort McMurray. And certainly citizens like yourself that want to get people engaged, uh, I welcome that opportunity. To, and and it's a, you know, it's a, an equal opportunity for all of us to get our message out there, who we are. And uh, just to piggyback on what Colleen just said, uh, the last few weeks uh, I've noticed there's uh, probably four four or five candidates that uh, really are trying to uh, get their name out there, get their platform out there. And I believe we're all in this for the same reason. Uh, We we believe in the community. We raise our families here. Some are starting families. Some have yet to have families. And uh, it's nice to see such a diverse uh, bunch of candidates. But uh, I've, I've... won three elections and I've lost three elections and I can tell you that uh, you need to put your time in during the campaign and uh, for the people that just want to put their name on the ballot just to test the waters I don't think they're too serious about it and uh, you know you really got to be committed and you got to have that family support and uh, uh, I guess 
uh, Tyrant is uh, sitting across the table from me, but it's nice to see a kid that I watched grow up. Uh, <laughs> he was now, actually telling now, me that before yeah, he got here. Then. So uh, I've always respected him and his family. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what I've really liked about this campaign is that uh, – it's not a it's not a traditional campaign where you get a bunch of mudslinging. I've never been about that. Uh, the only difference I've seen in this election, uh, and uh, to see that I, I've ran campaigns with uh, Ron Morgan, the late Ron Morgan, great guy, uh, Jim Carberry, Phil Maher, uh, just to name a few. And uh, what I've noticed about this election, uh, you know, uh, people. When you put a sign on the ground, you think that, uh, you know, you're going to put a sign on the ground and uh, nobody's going to crowd you out or have that much respect. And uh, when, when you see a sign that you go back the next day and somebody's actually hung a sign off of your sign, oh. that tells me a lot about a person. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to fly the, high, the highway and, and I tell you what, uh, I'm going to live in this community, win or, win or lose, and uh, respect the people that put their names on the ballot. But... I don't have a whole lot of respect for people not respecting other people. Yeah. Well, it's all about uh, the old adage of treat people how you want to be treated yourself, right? And the sign is a topic that me and Tyler were also talking about but before you guys got here that I want to bring up on the podcast as well because it seems to be a rather hot issue. Not as much a hot issue, but it, it's pe- some people know as people have been mentioning the, the signs and the abundance of and the restrictions on and, and a whole lot of other things. But, Briar, before we get into that, I, I did want to say that I think uh, – Unanimously, everyone can agree that the importance of this election is to get out and vote, make an educated, uh, make an educated vote, and, and go out there and actually do it. I know uh, the city doesn't have the, or I should say, the municipality doesn't have the greatest track record uh, for voter turnout, and I think that's one of the the big things with with this coming election because we're just coming off the heels of a very high-profile uh, provincial election, and, and I'm glad Keith brought up mudslinging because that was one of the main things that I've seen in, in this provincial election that it was just getting re- retarded at a few points. It was getting really, really bad. And I'm glad that uh, this election has kind of maintained the, the, clean at, the clean aspect. And, and it's all about just having the fair fight, quote-unquote, right, and respecting each other. But I think the biggest thing is to try to encourage people to get out and vote because I don't know what was our numbers on the last election. Does anyone know? The, I don't, la- the last municipal election was fifteen percent. Wow, unreal. Yeah, that is low. And even despite the increase in the provincial election that we just saw, we, we still had the two lowest ridings for voter turnout. Voter turnout. So we still have a long way to go in terms of engaging the residents of this community. And the one interesting thing with the municipal election is. You'd, it's people that have not are not necessarily living here for a long time that can still vote, and so it's as long as you have an address that has a municipal location on it, and you've been here for six months, you can go vote. Um, and that's one of the misconceptions I think a lot of people have in terms of that. So I hope that people find out if they're eligible to go vote and then get educated and then go vote. I'm not a big believer in just going to everyone and telling them go vote uh, because I think you still need to make an educated decision based on that. So I'm not going to go tell you to go vote. I'm going to tell you go educate yourself and then go vote. And that's when one like um, I was bad for that at one point in my life, and I've been actually slowly learning else elsewise. And and in the last few elections, I've been educating myself to to more vote than just a person I like the one person name I recognize that kind of thing, and actually educate myself into voting. And I think that's just to show a sign of the times where that access to information is a lot easier. Like one of the things I was very surprised with this by election is there was no debate, uh, and. 
it was one thing that I, I was getting as soon as the election was called I was getting involved in because I was going to the chamber of conference and I wanted to moderate the debate <laughs> I, I just think that'd be really fun to do and that's just what I'm all about right and uh, when I actually got to talk to the chamber of conference and they said they, they couldn't organize it this year I thought well what better way to try to do some kind of style chat with the uh, the candidates than a podcast which is a chatting around a kitchen table right so it's not really a debate debate format but it's definitely a time to get people out there and just get people out there talking and to hear about your guys's platforms but also a very good source to get educated on is the my community my voice site and i uh, i hyped it up as you guys heard in the first session i had with a couple of the candidates and i'm going to do it again just because i think it's that much important to go out and get educated and i think that's one of the best sources to get all the information uh, besides your guys individual websites which we'll go into uh, towards the end of the show so that's pretty much where i think uh, my, that's my opinion i don't know if you guys got a, a different one but i think that's an excellent place what the chamber of commerce did was absolutely yeah. an excellent source i think it's really valuable they put a lot of time and effort into it um someone had said to me well i wish there was just a place where everyone had their platform all in one place that i could just go <laughs> So this is the closest thing that we have to that. Everyone has their individual websites. This is the closest thing we have to that where everyone's platform is in one place. You can see questions. You can see people's answers. Um, and you can really get a feeling for each candidate, I think, from the answers that are given. Absolutely. And there's videos. I, I, I forgot yeah. to touch on that last go-around. That there's actually videos of, of everyone answering questions from, uh, from the chamber. Excuse me. So, very excellent resources. So, like I said, I think we're all in agreement that we really should be pushing to get educated, get educated, and get out and vote uh, on uh, on June 25th. And also, there's a lot of city initiatives that are coming out. Uh, we've had advance polls open for a week. I think they released the numbers on that, Keith. What was it yeah. for the last week? I think it was. Well, I went down to uh, vote this morning, and uh, they had 205 voters on Saturday at Mac Island. Wow! And uh, all through last week, and I think the tally this morning at about. Uh, Nine, nine o'clock, five after nine, I think there was about 610 residents that uh, went out and took the advanced polls. I think that's good for advanced polls. Am I wrong in that one? I think that's really good for what would have been, well, two weeks to a week prior to the actual voting day. You got 600 people uh, given, uh, given in their vote before the actual big day. But they also got the... Uh uh, the sites now set up for voting, right? I believe they have it at Syncrude, yep. CNRL, and Nexon. Nexon. Yep. Suncor didn't get in on so it. So there's, there's going to be four sites, actually. Uh, Syncrude's uh, uh, Aurora site. Oh, okay, right, right. And the uh, base mine at the France Braggins and uh, Nixon and the uh, CNRL site. The CNRL site. So I, I guess and uh, as long as the uh, employer... Uh, sets up a place to vote, uh, the employees uh, give up, you know, that right to go for three hours and maybe take a bus ride. You actually, you know, you, you it's just a stone's throw away to vote and poll, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that was very, we talked about uh, in one of our campaigns back in uh, 98, we tried to propose that to uh, to our legislators uh, back then, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of buy-in. But I think that as our workforce grows, it's a, it's a, like if you take, you have a workforce of a thousand people, uh, you lose about five to six thousand man hours that day for a vote. And uh, I think what, what the plants have done, uh, not probably just because of it's, it's productivity, no doubt, but what it is, it gives the workers a great chance and opportunity to take part in the uh, voting. Way better, easier access. Because I've seen a few, more than a few people say, like, oh, I, I'm too busy to handle, go away for those three hours, or too busy to take that early bus, I got so much work to do. It just gives them one less excuse. Hey, it, it, voting is only a dry, like I said, a stone's throw away, go in. 
find out what you want to vote for, who you want to vote for, and go in and, and, and get your voice heard. And I think hopefully that initiative will definitely increase the voter turnout because 15% is, is really just sad and pathetic, <laughs> I think, in the long haul. For a community that – or sorry, for an election that, in my opinion, is definitely one of the most important out of the three levels of government that we, that we do uh, votes for. Absolutely. Uh, municipal politics affects the lives of uh, daily citizens more, more so than any other level of government. Uh, when you take uh, bylaws that change our lives and change what we can do in a community for the better or for the worst, absolutely. Uh, municipal politics is grassroots politics and it affects us every day that we live here. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and as it happened in the provincial election, like, even a, a greater emphasis on knowing who you vote for is very well who you're voting for this by-election and next fall's uh, general election could very well become an MLA. It happened this go-around, right? It's definitely a stepping stone to, to have the, the person move forward. So it's just a more emphasis on how important this, uh, this election is. Unfortunately, what I was explaining with in, the last, uh, in the last session was a lot of people that I've talked to about this election, especially when I was asking them, I'm like, oh, I'm doing a, a podcast with a couple of the candidates. What do you think we should talk about? More than a few people said, well, I really don't care about this election. So I think stuff like what the Chamber's doing, hopefully with this podcast and our millions, quote-unquote, listeners, <laughs> I don't think we're that big, The uh, uh, hopefully we can get, that new media can kind of just bump it up just that much more mm-hmm. and hopefully... Like we gotta raise it from fifteen. Uh, I'll be happy with seventeen <laughs> or what, like you know what I mean. If we gotta just increase that a lot because it's such it is the most important one out of, out of all of our levels. Um, basically, let's hear your guys' platforms. Um, I just want to pretend. <laughs> here's how I set it up before. Pretend is we got a, th- a million listeners, which we <laughs> sure we can. We do have, uh, and uh, I just want to hear a bit of background about who you are and. Uh, Basically, what uh, what your vision of Fort McMurray is, and we'll just discuss from there. Me first. By all means, <laughs> I'm looking your way for some reason, so give her. <laughs> Sounds good. So, uh, as mentioned, my name's Tyron Alt. Uh, I've been a resident of Fort McMurray for uh, just over two decades now. I went to elementary, high school, and college here. Uh, I went away uh, to university down in Lethbridge. I earned my BA in English uh, and then went to Saskatoon for a radio school. Uh, bounced around a couple of radio uh, stations around Western Canada, then came back to Fort McMurray, back home, uh, somewhere where I always knew I would end up and was happy to come back uh, to launch Mix 103.7 in uh, 2007. So that was an opportunity. Growing up here, I always wanted to have another radio station. Uh, we had Kicks and CJOK we had all the, two the time. For the longest time. Growing yeah. up and I remember just wanting something else. And so to be part of that was super, super cool and something that was uh, a really awesome moment. And so from there, um, talking to residents every day, uh, reporting on the news and the issues that faced our community. I then went over to the municipality where I worked in the communication department for That's three right, years. I, I first saw your name was actually communication releases, right? Yeah, so I was writing up news releases. I was the media spokesperson for the municipality. And I think most importantly in this by-election, I sat in council for three years. Uh, every single meeting, I sat in a council meeting. I worked closely. I was next door to Mayor Blake uh, for that time, writing speeches for her and uh, learning the inner processes of how a council works. So Um, I saw the good decisions and I saw the bad decisions during that time. And I think that experience more than ever has prepared me now for this. Um, In addition to all my, I was 
campaigning from 10 years old uh, when I was at Clearwater School in student council elections with my posters around. And so as, as funny as it sounds, I, I really feel Clearwater School, no I went to Clearwater. You're really dropping yes. some names there that old school residents I was are uh, part of the last graduating class of Clearwater, and we, I have a little political activism in me because we did a Save Our School rally in 1994, and we got it to stay open for one extra year. Hey, so, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I w- I've been involved in politics like that, student councils for Clearwater and Comp when I was going there, and has continued my entire adult life. So now I'm working at Suncor, uh, which is an underrepresented area, just like uh, youth is right now. I feel that uh, the oil sands workers need a voice out there. While I won't say that I represent industry by any means, I, I hear a lot of uh, the voices out there, and I think the current council is lacking that right now. And so um, someone needs to have give that voice. I, I'm not saying that other candidates can't be that voice, um, but I just think the close connections that I have through communications, they're really going to kind of set me forward in that regard. Uh, so as we're talking off mic, I'll bring it on mic now. Yep. Uh, you grew, Well, you know Tito from school. Yes. <laughs> Quick, give us an embarrassing story. Oh. <laughs> he was a couple of years younger than me, oh. but uh, I think we did a couple drama plays back in the day, but <laughs> I'd have to reach way back into the brain to try to figure something from that. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, he did mention there before when we were uh, on one of the previous episodes where we were talking about this upcoming by-election that uh, he knew you were from school. So like I said, unfortunately, he could be here from Treason his best to, to everyone but I know he just uh, he knew you from school and he didn't have a chance to talk to you lately yeah. that's why he <laughs> wanted to uh to see you to talk old times, I guess. Well, I say um, hi to him through the mic. There, there you go, <laughs> there you go, Tito. Um, no, and that's it's a great concept about uh, it's something that I wasn't really familiar with either until someone tweeted. I can't remember who it was about. There isn't really a person on council that is from the oil sands industry. It, it didn't really play on me that I've seen that right, and it just brings an interesting aspect because the oil sands. Uh, my dad said it best when we were talking about the TEDx event. Um, whether or not someone agrees with it, the oil sands, or, or is willing to accept it, the oil sands plays a huge factor in this region. It always has, and it always will. And person that wants to, like some people tend to shut oil sands out, and to me I just think yeah. it's a very silly move because it's something that's here, and, and for the foreseeable future, definitely here to stay. So no, excellent. Uh, thank you very much for the background. Colleen. To the millions of visitors listening. Wow. Um, I'm Colleen Tatum. I was born here. I was raised here. My husband... Um, was raised in Jambier. We met each other when we were 13 years old. So Aww. I have a long history here, um, just like Tyron does. What I'm doing is I'm just ready to stand up. I'm ready to say that I want to take my experience and give it to the community. Standing up and saying that you're on council, is um, it was a scary moment for me to be able to say, I want to put myself out there. I want to put my name on the poster. I want to put my p- picture out there for everybody. But I think it's important. Um, what I'm trying to do is make a wood buffalo for my family, for your family, make it more livable, sustainable, and remarkable. Um, livable, just make it easier to be here. We've, we've made a lot of progress, and I think there's a lot of things that we can do to make it better. Um, one of the things I had talked about is trying to make the bus lane or a carpool lane. Not everybody has access to busing. Um, just a small thing, but it can make everybody's lives a lot easier. Sometimes the small things can make all the difference in the world. Yeah, I think it doesn't have to be about these huge revolutionary ideas. The council that we have right now was a great council. They were a functioning council. Um, they were making some great progress. 
Um, and I just want to be able to lend myself to that. My experience is uh, growing up in Fort McMurray, being a local business owner, being a, a local mom. I think that that's something that we need on council. We have one lady that is on council that's representing Anzac. And we don't have any other moms. We don't have anybody else except for Mayor Melissa that is a mom. Moms see Fort McMurray from a different perspective than dads a lot of the time. We're the ones taking them to the Y. We're the ones taking them to Mac Island for the most part. There are a lot of active dads, but it's still different when you're a mom. So I want to take that experience with being a business owner and a mom and and give myself to the community. Do whatever I can to try and make it a positive community for all of us. It was definitely a, a shocking stat that I like to, to bring to people's attention. That, and I get a shock experience every time when I tell them. A hundred babies are born here every month. A hundred. And when I tell people that, their jaws drop. And one thing I got into a big discussion with some people at work is one of the things that you tend to line up for for registration and one of the most hardest fought things to get into is like swimming lessons, dance, <laughs> ballet, gymnastics. <laughs> it's, it's These are like the, the lineups that you see for like rock concerts and, and and being a single father, like I've seen that firsthand, right? Where I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not looking for YouTube tickets. I just want to get my kids some <laughs> swimming lessons, right? And, and it, it's just a new experience. And I attend a lot of people uh, don't really see that side of Fort McMurray, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an interesting avenue and one that needs to be explored because 100, 100 babies a month that's or more or more and I can't do the math for 12 months out of my head that's rather it's rather embarrassing lot. but either way it's a lot of kids right and, and kids like this is a family 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 region whether people like see that part of it or not right and no definitely excellent uh, viewpoints and some uh, interesting avenues that uh, that need to be explored so. Keith you're up sir well uh I, uh, I came here right after high school and, uh, you know, uh, with little choices other than uh, go west and find a job. And uh, when I got to Fort McMurray, I, I stayed in the lobby of the towers for about seven or eight days. And uh, Peter and Vera Knelson, uh, that, that owned the All Sands, uh, gave me a job, uh, gave me a place to stay. And uh, I worked in the nighttime in the, uh, at the All Sands and went to uh, Keanu College in the daytime. And after a couple of years, I've uh, headed out to the All Sands. And, uh, you know, I guess later on in life, I found a great uh, partner for life. Uh, my wife, Teresa, is from Bearhead. We've had three kids here in Fort McMurray, and I certainly appreciate the long lineups and uh, <laughs> that, w- that when my kids were growing up to take for swimming lessons. I think we made some good advancements with uh, McDonald Island, and, oh, yeah. uh, and I think that we're going to make great strides in having another recreation facility because I think it's a great fabric to raise, your, to raise your uh, kids up in. Uh, currently, I'm the uh, director of uh, business development for uh, ACON, which is a public company for Western Canada. Uh, I've served on the Catholic school board for the last eight years as a public servant, and traveling the uh, not only just in Alberta but uh, the uh, country, uh, basically from St. John's to Victoria, going to many conferences. Uh, you see how uh, government works. At and uh, when you take the energies of, of a lot of smart people like we have here in Fort McMurray, forward thinkers, uh, we can make this a great community. And I guess what ignites me is when when you see tax dollars that are just wasted, uh, you know, just and, and not to be negative, but just to talk to the issues of the day. When, when you see last summer that we spent millions of dollars uh, pouring a medium down at uh, the Thickwood Boulevard, uh, knowing that we were putting in bus lanes, uh, only to drive back a year later and, and see to see like now up. we're now we're spending millions of dollars to widen out the road. When simply put, we could have uh, put a medium in the middle, had the bus lanes, 
not spend another nickel and uh, not slow traffic down because let's face it I've been on the buses I've worked in the all signs for 25 years and that ride to work is getting longer and longer and if you want to live and raise a family in Fort McMurray it's the little things as you said but when a guy or a lady is sitting on a bus for three or four hours a day extra because That's of the time be, at home be, because of the planning you miss so much and it makes people want to commute and, and you know I, I really believe that uh, with the construction spirit, you know, the experience, the budget experience, being in big business, being in small business, uh, I really think what what you have, you need a, a council that's made up of diversity uh, from all walks of life, and and certainly, uh, you know, if you like, t- look at Willow Square, you know, uh, the two government levels, so we allowed them to come in, uh, shut down Willow Square, board it up like we're a third world country. And uh, when we simply put, uh, when the board, before the boards went on the Willow Square, we should have just tore down the buildings. And being around equipment all my life, it would have took a half an hour tops of each, of each, uh, each building to take down with a backhoe, truck it away, clean it up. Because we spend millions of dollars trying to get a different message out to Canada that we're not some fast-rate town. Uh, and, and now you look at, you know, you come out of St. John's after Sunday Mass, you look across the road, yeah. and, and, it, and it looks like we haven't progressed at all. And you can't be too afraid, and especially now we have two great MLAs. We should be able to work in concert with those people so that we're not left shortchanged. And, and, and another part of this uh, platform of mine, and uh, I just came back from Calgary for a couple of days at an all-in-gas show, and when I checked out of the hotel, the bills just keep getting bigger, you know, uh, like improvement taxes. Well, how come we can't have a camp tax or a hotel tax here in McMurray where if you live in camp, I know they don't give us a nickel, but you use all our services, so what's wrong with taking a $5 a day? tax levy that goes back into this municipality to, to strengthen our infrastructure and to, to increase programs. And, you know, when I opened up my campaign, uh, was I afraid I was going to get some backlash from that? No, because it's the truth. And I think that the quicker we move on this, and it was well within our legalities to do it, we can form a tax levy, a Fort McMurray room tax levy, that shows that if, if we have 30,000 camp rooms within a region, and you're talking five bucks a day. You're talking 150 grand a day. That's that adds up. It's not small change. And, and and serving on you know the regional roads committee, the health council, the school board, it has allowed me to work around and, and see what we're what we're shortchanged. And you know, for your listeners, I'm not intimidated by somebody that sits in camp and takes all their money out of McMurray. And nine chances out of ten, because I travel, you hear in the airports, oh, McMurray, I wouldn't want to raise my kids in McMurray. I can tell you that I've raised my three children, and, and, and they're great children. Uh, they're, they're turned into be young, giving adults. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we really need to move forward and not be afraid of a bit of clawback from anybody because these uh, commuting transient workers are using our services, taxing our systems, and at the end of the day, me and you are paying for it. So what's wrong with moving forward and, and making this tax levy? Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that we've discussed in the podcast, and one of the things that I've always thought of, too, is our, quote-unquote, shadow workforce, right? Like, I hear so many times that Fort McMurray's population is above 100,000 people. Uh, no, it's not, right? Like, it's, it's, you get a population of who actually lives in town. We're getting, what, 60, 70, somewhere around? 76. Somewhere, somewhere around there, right? Like, these are the people that have dedicated their lives to Fort McMurray. 
and as much as I'm understandable that, that you can look at the transient workforce, and yeah, these guys are, are helping build our projects, help maintain our products, but you're very much right. They are using this town just as much as, as everyone else. And, of course, who's paying the tax dollars? The residents. You know what I mean? And, and that's a very good point. It's one thing that uh, as products move forward and, and the fly-in, fly-outs, uh, how many arguments have I had at work about fly-in, fly-out, and people are like, why on earth would you live in Fort McMurray? And uh, I've lived here. I've, I'm raising my four-year-old son here, right? And, you, you look back, uh, let's go back just a short three years ago when uh, workers were getting paid LOA. So they'd come to Fort McMurray uh, and uh, there was five of them getting 190 bucks a day. So they would think nothing about going renting a house off of somebody for seven grand a month. And that was just, that's not coming out of their income, that's coming out of their LOA. So what happened, it put the service workers that were supporting small business that you need to have, where were they going to live? Yep. Where were they going to live? They, they, they couldn't afford sixty-five or seven thousand dollars a month for rent because their wage didn't reflect that kind of rent. But when you're competing with people that are getting thousands of dollars in LOA and then thousands of dollars in a wage, a bit of rent to those guys were nothing. Yeah, that was right before the so, crash in two thousand eight. It was LOA. I just uh, remember hearing something. And, and it's great. It was getting out of control. Man. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly great that the All Sands took a lead and said, you know, hey, this we're not going to pay that anymore. And I think what happened, and we see it in our school letter now. Now we're starting to see a whole new generation starting school. Last year, our enrollment uh, grew by ten percent. Yeah, and that that told us there's four hundred and fifty, five hundred kids brand new in their school system because some of this LOA that's been slipped away, people are actually moving here, like mm-hmm. the rest of us being part of the community. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those new frontiers, those new like new concepts where uh, I'm not too familiar with, with like the fly-in-fly-out aspect, but I know growing up and the way my family worked, it was always you move where the work is. You, you move your family to where the work is. I'm a military brat. Like, I have... 12 grades of school I was in 8, 9 different schools right it was just a, the, the thought on, on life but with that said if, if a fly in fly out situation works for people and they don't complain about it I'm all for that too it's the ones that bother me are the ones that are living in camp that are sitting there going oh I'm away from my family and I can't stand it and the pressures of life bring your family up here mm-hmm. well it's got to be it's got to be a very lonely wife if you think of it like a very very lonely life for you take uh, you know, a mom or a dad that got to go away for uh, 25 days at a time and not see their uh, husband or their wife uh, for that time and not see their kids. You know, uh, one thing to make a buck, but the other thing is, is uh, you know, there's more to life than money. And, uh, you know, you got to be with your family. And, and certainly if we uh, release land and, uh, and develop responsibly and sensibly, uh, everybody's going to have a chance to build a home here in McMurray. Oh, and absolutely, and I think that's, uh, as a city council, I think that's what everyone should really strive for, is to make this place an attractive place to live. Like, who was it, Alison Redford, that really coined the phrase, boomtown over hometown? Was she the first one? Yeah. I think it was Sheldon mm-hmm. Germain that coined that phrase, and it took, a, it took a whole new step. Everybody started using it. <laughs> I understand what you're saying about the the workers coming here and taking it from our community, but it's a multifaceted issue. Um, a lot of people have to rent out rooms in their house to survive sure. in Fort McMurray, and those people want to live in Fort McMurray. Not everyone that comes here and works just wants to take from the community and not give back. Those people are buying, yeah, the supporting our businesses. Town. And sometimes, I know me and my husband, when we bought our first house, that's how we made it. We yeah. couldn't afford to live I, and buy a house without yeah. renting out our rooms and well, doing those point. sorts of things. I've, I've and that made it possible for us to live here and, and raise yeah. our family here. I, I'm certainly not talking about 
people that rent a room in somebody's house because that them taxes are captured in residential. They're they're already taxed. Gunning for the I'm, camps. I'm talking about the guy, the lady that come here and live in a hotel that's paid for by the company, a guy that or a lady that goes to camp and checks in the camp gets picked up at the airport. I'm not talking about the people that live in yeah. Fort McMurray because every house that's in McMurray or every condo that's in McMurray is taxed. Every yeah. apartment that's taxed. What I'm talking about are the camps. Yeah. And the hotels that people use and live in for free and take their check and leave Fort McMurray and not drop a nickel but use all the services. Yeah. That's what I, well, that's what yeah. I refer to as a Fort McMurray tax levy. Yeah. No, and, and you're, you made a good point, Colleen, too, because like, I've seen that structured into mortgages, you know what I mean, as, as a rental income for, for a place, right? And no, an excellent point. And, and the multifaceted approach, I think that applies to pretty much a lot of, of, of issues that are tackled within this, this region, right? Like, I noticed that you said uh, uh, one rec center and hopefully more. I would absolutely love that because my biggest issue right now is I'm walking distance from the Y, but their pool has been out for two years. Yeah. It sprung a leak. Uh-huh. Actually, it sprung a leak uh, about six weeks ago and there was water in it. More? Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah, yes, right. The roof. <laughs> you know? yeah. Good point. I think we're all in the same same game with the rec, rec centers. We'd love yeah. to see more of them everywhere. Mac Island is great, but it's not accessible for everyone. Not everyone drives. Yeah. Not everyone wants to drive all the way down to Mac Island. Yeah. Um, it's the same issue as everything else lands and getting there. And there is one plan for Timberley. Um, it's just a matter of council keeping with the plan and making sure that we remove as many barriers as possible to see that plan come to action. Yeah. We don't need to reinvent the plan. The plan is there. What we need is Stick a council that sticks to the plan and makes sure that as many barriers are removed so that we can get to the end game faster. Yeah. So. No, and that's definitely a good point. You know, like when you go back and talk about the YMCA, like they're they're fully funded, but just about by industry mm. and the industry gives back quite a bit to this community. Oh, In fact, I've watched, uh, and I'll call them the motherships, uh, Syncrude and Suncor have been very generous in this community for my 28 <laughs> years of living here. And, uh, you know, the other oil companies are coming on board, but I can tell you that there's room for the other oil companies to come on board and help these two big motherships out to make sure that we build a community that every employee wants to live in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, to attract the workforce to come and live, right? And I, I just want to get back to the point about the workers that don't like this community. Mm. Has anyone actually talked to them to find out why? I've, I've, had, a, I've had a few. <laughs> I've raised this point, I raised this point in my initial press conference that if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I, I think we need to take a serious look at why these people don't like calling this place home. And I, I've joked around to my buddies that during this campaign, I'd, I should go down to Showgirls and start talking <laughs> to these people because... The GQ article, that's what they did. Yeah. But they never asked them what the issues were. And I think, really, it starts with fixing these little things mm-hmm. that are the biggest issues that you hear people complaining, like recreation, like snow removal. The fact that we get our roads plowed once a year is ridiculous on a residential Oh, this street. road is bad. The one yeah. you came in on is bad. Little things like that are going to turn that quality of life just a little bit that then maybe that guy who does commute back and forth goes back home next time and says you know what honey it's not too bad there anymore it's time to maybe we've pack up and move the family here and i think that's really what council needs to start focusing on and enhance those basic services so that people are happy to call this place home we all get it we we're all running for council you're a big community advocate we get it it's getting to those other people to make sure they sure that they realize what an amazing place this is. And it seems like a lot of time is spent on the large issues where you're quite right, and I believe everyone has said it at one point or another, that it's the little things that, that will make or break it, right? Like, 
everyone and their dog know traffic's a problem in Fort Mac, and it's going to be for the not foreseeable future, but it's going to be for a bit longer yet to come. But it's the little things that can make just that much more bearable to get through, right? Oh, there's a rec center in Timberlake. I don't have to fight the traffic to go all the way downtown to Mac yeah. Island. Things of, of that aspect, right? Let's put a bowling alley in it. Oh, yeah. It's something that people complain about. And I That's think very true, actually. I totally forgot that one's closed down. It yeah. needs to take some non-municipal approaches to some of these services that, frankly, it's not attractive for a small business owner to operate right now. Either we give them the land at a much cheaper price or give them tax incentives or the municipality steps up and offers these non-traditional services that are going to make people happy to call this place home. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, Keith, you mentioned it in airports. Like, uh, <laughs> I guess since the inception of this podcast, I just keep handing out when people say, well, why or what are the issues or what's your problem with Fort McMurray? And they give me their laundry lists of, of minor things. And it's, I just simply hand out a business card and says, here, listen to that show. <laughs> and they tear it up and we move on. The, uh, but uh, no, and it's so as we've seen, like there's, there's quite a large number of approaches and, and and definitely some unique ways to tackle certain situations. Uh, one of the things I did with the last session that I thought was rather interesting is give me some top five issues, and we can do this either as a group because I'm sure a lot of it's going to be intertwined with one another. So we'll talk about it as a group. But top five issues that you think are hot for this particular election, and uh, some of the interest, some of the responses I got from uh, Matt and Christine were rather interesting. I'll share them afterwards. But uh, I just like to hear what you guys have to think because, like, what are the top five ones that people are thinking about right now? Because I think there's quite a, an interesting list. I believe we have uh, some local issues. Uh, one being, as I just discussed, uh, you know, like I'd, I'd really like to see the formation of a tax levy that uh, that the whole community benefits from. I don't believe that uh, we're recognized as much as we should be when it comes to uh, provincial funding. And certainly uh, federal funding is non-existent. Uh, you know, when was the last time the federal government done something for Fort McMurray? Mm. Uh, well, you ask re- Brian Jean on Twitter, you'll get... <laughs> Well, I, a slew of responses. I, well, I, I can tell you that the uh, you know uh, no disrespect to uh, Brian Jean or anybody else. I'm just asking yeah. when was the last time the federal oh, government no, gave Fort McMurray a grant? Yeah. Uh, you know they they basically are the housing arm, Canadian Mortgage and Housing uh, of Fort McMurray. When was the last time they helped us? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe quality of life is an issue. Uh, like we we haven't kept up to our growth. And that's why we're so clogged in traffic and so clogged in infrastructure. Always playing catch-up. Always. You know, we, we look at the current two overpass systems that are being constructed, and, uh, you know, once they're done, uh, where are we going? We're going out to diversify to stop again and wait for another overpass to be built. So I guess what we need is, a you know, a big vision for the community that matches up in some control growth mm-hmm. that we haven't had. Yeah. And uh, another big issue is uh, how do you attract and retain employees to, like, big box stores? How do you get big box stores to come to Fort McMurray? Because most of our traveling is because of shopping. You know, big box big, stores. Oh, big like box big, stores, big, like, you know, uh, Costco. Big, oh, franchise. Okay, big you know, franchise stores. Like, yeah, because we all yeah. have families, and, you know, we, we all like to shop and uh, have, have, you know, great stuff for our kids or for ourselves and, uh, you know, not always have to pay the top dollar for it. Uh, and I believe that we go a long ways if we were just better linked with the city, uh, you know, just to offer those services. So how do you attract good doctors to the region? You know, it's all about a quality of life. It's all about unclogging the traffic, the commute. It's all about having a safe community. Yeah. You know, like who wants to uh, look at some guy going up Tickwood Boulevard doing 180 kilometers? And, and so what? He gets his picture taken. He pays the ticket and moves on. Yeah. So it's all about 
being a more a more calmer city, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, would would more growth plans and strategic plans to face that growth. We, mm. we all know where we're going. Mm. I mean, you'd be a fool to, to listen to some of these Greenpeace guys saying that they're going to shut down the oil sands. Uh, that's our way of life. I mean, the oil got spilled uh, a thousand years ago, and it's going to take us about 3,000 years to clean it up. Mm. That's just the way we are. The I think Rex know. Murphy said it best one time. Is What did he say in his show at Mac Island? Whether people like it or not, oil oil is here to stay for now until something better is found, so we might as well embrace it to try to try to tear it apart, right? So some of the top five hot issues. What are you guys thinking? What is what is the people out there? Have you guys been interacting with the community? What what is there? I know Highway sixty three is definitely on there, but uh, I guess I uh, Highway sixty three is the big <laughs> issue, um, which. For on one hand isn't a council level, but on another hand it is. We need yeah, to how keep could a, our. How could the city council help a, a provincial jurisdiction? I guess I could say. So what I think is we need to keep our voice strong. We need to keep um, the ties open. We need to keep that communication going. But we also need to not lay down and let them roll us over. So we don't want to be going head to head with them. We want to try and work as much with them as possible. But. We need to make sure that we're standing up and we're not letting ourselves be forgotten. I am a huge supporter of 20 Highway 63. I've been complaining about it for years. I've been talking about it for years. Um, it terrifies me to drive that road. I don't want my family on there. I don't want my kids on there. Um, as soon as the last accident happened, I came out and I said, you know what, that's enough. I made those no-excuses twin 63 stickers that you see around. Um, I try and promote the safe 63. There's multiple issues with 63 and why it's not twin, but basically, I believe at the end of the day, they just thought, you know what, they're not saying anything. We're getting away with it. Let's keep doing what we're doing. So Highway 63 is a big issue for me, and on a council level, I think we just need to keep keep on it, keep making sure that it's top of everyone's minds. And we can do that through council, through Facebook, through all of us standing together and saying we won't, the movement. we won't sit down and let it go. Yeah. Um, but other issues are, like Keith said, um, quality of life issues. Livability is a big one for me. How can we make the little things add up to big things? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to come up with some big grand solution. But it, all those multiple little things add up to, hey, you know what? I actually like it here. It's a great place to be. People keep saying to me, though, is it is what you make it. And that is really the truth. It is what you make it. And, you know, if you're not voting, you're not making it anything. You're not a part of that process. So get informed, like Tyron said, but be a part of making it something. Yeah. So don't sit at home and complain. Give Try and do something about what's, it. What's the hurt of actually identifying a problem and give a suggestion how to fix it? Yeah, I, we all know the highway needs to be twinned, and essentially, I think that's the grand master plan. Mm-hmm. But what can you do now to to make that highway safer? What can you do now to make uh, your commute to work? better Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. carpool instead of driving single take the bus instead of driving there's always just that one thing of what can you do what to give a solution complain about what you want but give a solution to what you're Mm -hmm. complaining about as well and it just brings you up that level from annoying person to actual (laughs) everyone thinks you know saving the planet going green is this humongous thing that we have to focus on industry for but it's all the little things that you can do yourself that are going to make a bigger impact if you run the tap for 60 seconds is creating way more pollution than what 
what industry puts out. All those little things that we do, that we can do little changes, add up to big change. So we can do that in our community, all these little changes that are going to add up to a big change. Yeah. So, No, that's an excellent point. Like I said before, I think a lot of this, uh, a lot of the city and a lot of the people in this city, myself included, have focused on the bigger issues, when in reality, fixing a lot of the smaller ones could could achieve these these goals mm-hmm. in a different way, right? And definitely the quality of life, I think, has been a staple in this place for a long time, right? And it's a goal that I think we'll be constantly working on for a long time, but definitely the fixing the smaller ones. It's always going to be an issue. Vancouver is not fixed. Nobody, nobody has a perfect community. Is there a community. town that's fixed? You know? yeah, no one has a perfect, <laughs> right? So we're it always. Does my head, Tyron? It does in my head. <laughs> what do you think, Tyron? Some some top, some hot issues in this in this particular election. I guess is what the. Is what uh, I'm trying to get at. Yeah, lots of people bring up Highway 63, and you have to correct them, and it is a provincial jurisdiction issue. One thing I'll say about that is we have a $15 billion heritage trust fund that's saved mm-hmm. for a rainy day. It's pouring up here right now. <laughs> it's time to twin the highway. Quite literally, actually. So, yeah, these days it is. Um, some of the other issues, we've touched on the wreck and the roads. One thing is housing, and um, we're in a very sticky situation here as we move forward in developing Parsons Creek and Saline Creek and that we're going to flood the market with a lot of homes, but you don't want to kill the people who've bought a home in the last three years. And council is going to be, land release and the way land is released is going to be extremely important so that we need to plateau the housing market. We don't need to drastically decrease it. The, the inflation and the cost of wages will go up that make things more affordable. And so I think we need to find the right balance of that and then still support Wood Buffalo Housing. I live in Wood Buffalo Housing. I bought my first home through there, and I'm now on the condo board there. And I think we need to support that organization as they move forward, both and then find ways to get them involved with businesses. Um, they do a fantastic job with housing right now. Um, they've recently developed the industrial park and now I think it's time to move into the commercial sector give them a big space up there in Parsons Creek and let them develop a large sector of that for affordable small businesses and go forward I remember looking at the the master plans Eagle Ridge when they first were released I think there was mid 2000s or maybe before well the first time I had to look at them and to see the space that they had allotted for residential and then to see the very small little strip for Mm -hmm. commercial I was floored. Yeah. And I can see it already has changed because now they're putting in a a gas station and a quote-unquote coffee shop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to to, to build uh, build residents, build houses. Yes, that's that's important. But it's also important, like, as Keith was saying, too, like, we got to promote business, whether they be local from the community or whether they be attract from outside. We still need that commercial aspect, too. That helps the quality of life that people want. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, in Eagle Ridge, if it was stuck to the original plan, like, that was a whole lot of houses... And nothing else. Like hindsight um, is twenty twenty, as they say. That's very true. Give the council at the time their due. They they yeah, never no, exact, expected yeah. the way it would go. They saw a housing shortage and reacted, and that's why I think we we see a drastic commercial shortage right now. And so we need to find that balance as we move forward. That that's true. We there, we don't allot the entire area to housing. Mm commercial obviously but we need to have that it's it's a huge lacking both from the small business side and the big box you never want to be uh, reactive in either you always want to try to do your best to to be have a proactive approach give the council their due but at the same time to me it was Mm short-sighted if you're going to have more people you need more services it goes hand in hand so maybe because i'm a business owner i see that obviously as one of the first things but 
small businesses are really, really struggling out there. And I think there's a big misconception in the city that people think, oh, you're in Fort McMurray. The roads are paid with gold. You open a business, you're rich. You get that business license and the government sends you a million dollar check. That's not the way it is. Businesses are out there and they're opening... And staying open right now as a commitment to the citizens. They are not making a lot of money. Some are just making it. Um, their rent has gone up from $10 a square foot to $60 a square foot. Nobody else has rent like that. If you go to Edmonton, it's $10 a square foot. But we have to charge the same amount that we charge in Edmonton. We can't just double the price. No one's going to buy it. Yeah. Everyone goes up and down the highway. Everyone goes on the internet. And big boxes are great, but I believe the small businesses are ones that really invest in the community. They're the ones that stay here and, and volunteer and give back to charity. I haven't heard Walmart give much to charity in the last little while. I haven't been in a silent auction where I've seen Walmart donate to something or um, come out and sponsor a table. Those big boxes are great, but there's a lot of small businesses here already that are waiting for more space. They want to expand. They want to open new businesses, but they can't get their hands on the space. It Mm. seems to always go to a developer from outside the community, and then sure, they'll rent it to us for $60 a square foot, but that's not sustainable. So. I would like to see um, some sort of communication of that land better, maybe through a Buffalo Housing Corporation, how Tyron was saying, or um, holding backs in the land for owner-operated businesses so that people that are here in the community that want to open a business have that opportunity because right now they don't. No, And like I said, I believe balance is key. Like There's always going to be a need for small business and there's always going to need for the big what you call it, big bucks? Big box big stores. Box. I never heard that before. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, and there's always that need to it, right? Like and you always get that perfect balance and like I said to give council their due at the time but also try to make it as much of a proactive approach not just like oh we need more houses here's fucking a shitload of of acres to sorry podcast man it's free it's wide open (laughs) here's a bunch of here's a bunch of acres and just build nothing but houses you know what I mean like there's always that need I was literally shocked when I seen that one little strip Mm -hmm. with with businesses next to all the residential area I'm a bigger guy. I can only take so many ponds and trails. You know what I mean? And I think is it that diverse <laughs> planning for that diverse community where you're not going to not everyone wants to hike trails all the time. You, you, yeah. you got to try to accommodate as much as you, as you possibly can. People I, like shopping. It was true. I just want to just uh, piggyback a little bit on uh, Highway 63. Yep. You know, it's often said Westalen Highway 63 is caribou. I've been here for 28 years. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen one caribou. They can't go seen, 40 feet to the left. <laughs> I've, seen, uh, I've seen one caribou by Mariana Lakes, and that was about 20 years ago. <laughs> and and talking about muskeg and stuff, well, I can tell you that in, uh, from 89 to 92, we built the largest dam in the world. That was a Southwest dam, and we dumped uh, between Syncrude and four contractors. Uh, there was 88 million cubes of dirt that structured that structure. And then shortly after that, uh, another dam that was built was a Southwest Tailings Dam, and one of the biggest dams again in the world. And, you know... We struggle with muskeg, but you have a community full of leaders that have built more haul roads, not only in Alberta, but I'd go on the map and say in the world, and faced all of these challenges. And, you know, the super test, when we knocked a million and a half cubes of dirt out of the super test to twin (laughs) that highway between town and to the gates, uh, we'd done that in four months. So if we're giving the government three billion a year. So, why, what's a few bucks? Yeah, you know, and you hear these lame excuses. Uh, but but the current fix would be 
to adequate funding for protective services to slow down the irresponsible drivers that take our lives away. And basically, you can go back in time. I've been here for 28 years. I used to drive up 63 when there was no shoulders on the road. And you still had the Bechtel 500 going on. (laughs) But essentially, what the biggest problem on our highway right now is... uh, people that just take their own lives in their hands and maybe what we need to do is reschedule these heavy loads because when you get behind one you know uh, Johnny on the spot he can't can't be patient so he's going to take the chance of his own life his family's life and and pass on a blind hill or something like that so we need to uh, put more time in the short term into policing and uh, coordinating moves and then the second thing we need to bring in the industry leaders that can show these guys that you can do it yeah you know i think uh, like i spent my my workforce life uh in the oil sands and i've seen it countless times where we only have certain there's only five people in the world that can fix this type of pump and expensive yes but they were here the next day to fix it. Is it going to be an expensive problem to fix? I've said this before on, on the countless uh, Highway 63 podcasts. It's going to be an expensive problem. But as a taxpayer, I have, I, am, I have no problem helping whatever I can from a tax point of view to get this highway twinned. And I think I'd be saying that whether I lived in Fort McMurray or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's definitely an issue that I think... It, well, you well, take uh, Grand Prairie. Grand, Grand Prairie's highway has been twinned for years. Yeah. And it doesn't bring in half the resources. Who was the transportation minister that helped to get that done, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying facts. It's <laughs> uh, the podcast. What am I saying? Yeah, I think that was his reason. Anyway. Um, guys, some great conversation. The hour is just about up. Um, the only thing that we kind of touched on the last session that I wanted to touch on this one, because I think it's a... Uh, Brings in a little humor and, and just an interesting aspect to this whole thing is these freaking signs, election <laughs> signs. What's your guys' thoughts? You guys are putting them up. I see all three of your guys' are definitely very predominant. Are these things a pain in the ass or what? Well, you know, I, I tell you what, uh, uh, I ran the elections on a very low budget and uh, lost out. I sat down with uh, our, our new MLA, Don Scott, been a great friend of mine since the first day I met Don Scott. Uh, we first day in McMurray, and he came to a golf tournament with me. He's the worst golfer, but the best guy I know. <laughs> and... Uh, when he was deciding to run for council, he, uh, you know, he uh, he called me down. We talked for a while, and I said to Don, I said, I would rather see uh, donate a thousand bucks to Kids Forever or Ronald McDonald House and have no signs. He said, you know, you got to have them, Keith. And uh, you know that stuck with me because uh, you know the bugger done okay. He won the last municipal election. He won the <laughs> provincial election, and uh, and this time. Uh, it's not because I had shitloads of money that I wanted to spend on signs, but I figured that, you know what, I'm the old guy in a young group. And uh, I ran elections, like I said, with no budgets. And this time, uh, 14 people. Uh, I think there's about four people that are serious about it. And, yes, I think that signs, I think signs, you got to have them. And uh, I know from losing three elections, and I know from winning three elections, I think signs you got to have. They make the difference. What I would like to do, if elected, would be propose a new bylaw eliminating all signs in an election, and a candidate that steps forward makes a deposit, makes a deposit, and makes a donation to a good charity, a good local charity, and the only sign that they could have would be a sign that a homeowner wants on their lawn, and that would take care of signs. When you when you get People, other candidates that go out and tag a sign onto your own, or you get a measuring tape out saying you're six feet or you're six <laughs> inches too short, and and five days before the campaign you want to move this sign is not in the zone. You know, at the end of the day, signs 
if you're not mentally strong, they would drive you nuts. <laughs> so I, I, I can tell you that there's no big treat for me to go out on a Saturday night and fix up signs. Like but I was, I, I was telling the tire in there, like, because uh, I, me and Kingston walk to the park all the time. So I think at one point or another, I fixed all those signs up on on Thickwood Arena because it one it's and it's not vandalism, it's the wind. Yeah, no, it, no, it comes exactly. right down through at this particular exactly. situation. And I think I I know I fixed all all the ones I've had on this podcast. And I think I can't even say his last name, Khan. There you go. Uh, I fixed because the, they're all just leaning over because yep. of the wind. So I fixed them all at one point or another because half the time Kingston goes oh, up and is like, "Ooh, sign!" <laughs> well, I, well, you know what? I, I, but I can totally see them yeah. being a pain in the ass. They, they are, and I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, signs. What do signs mean? Signs. They get your name out there. You know, people drive by your sign, and you're trying. You, at the end of the day, that's what you're trying. You're trying to get your name out there. You know, some guy's doing 80. Do we really see your sign? <laughs> but if you don't put any signs up and the rest of the candidate gets signs, I mean... You get known for it, different reasons. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. You either say you're not that interested. And, and I think, I tell you what, would I rather give my money to a charity? Absolutely. You know, uh, last week when I received the humanitarian award from J.D. Hole, I, you know... I think it was a great thing, and, and, and I would like to say, again, if I get elected, we were, you know, push for a bylaw saying that, you know what, Who, nobody wants to go around and litter the landscape with their face so that people, <laughs> but I will tell you one thing, that a lot of people blame a knockover signs on vandalism. I can guarantee you, I've run elections here in McMurray since 1997, and I can tell you that this has been the best ride I've ever had as far as signs being vandalized. I don't see any vandalism. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I really don't. And uh, I think Matt tweeted a few as long as ever. Well, I can tell you that, you know what, there's still a few signs out there not fixed, and they've been out there three weeks, but uh, <laughs> and they're still not fixed. But I can tell you that uh, my good friend Tyrant, uh, we were out the first day. You slipped that T on at, the end at, there. <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't, I, I, uh, it's Tyrin. Yeah, Tyrin. Not with a, not Tyrin. He, understand, he understands. You know, it's been 20 years trying to pronounce his name. That's just, that's just, that's just ain't going to change now. You know, being, from, uh, being from Newfoundland, I guess I got more way to talk. But there we go. the message is still the same. You know, I would love to see a bylaw that states to be a candidate, let's donate some money to a worthy cause, you know, to for kids, whether it be learning disabilities to enhance their life and trade it in for election signs. And if we were the first to do the no bag at a shopping mall, you know, because I swear if I ever bought home another shopping bag at the house, my wife would kick me out. <laughs> you know, we have we have a garage full of recyclable bags. But but why not go the same thing with signs? I, I think that we would move forward, have a whole lot of happy people, and then, then you'd be bound. You'd be bound to get to know the homeowner, and they might give you a little piece of real estate in their lawn, or they may not. Mm-hmm. But you, you'll have to knock on more doors. Like, I mean... There's nothing worse than knocking on 600 doors on a Saturday and then having to go fix up some signs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes you got to fix them up, but when you drive past somebody with a measuring tape saying you're yeah. two inches inside the zone, yeah. you're thinking, like, come, come on. on. And then the other thing I want to point out here this evening, if it's my last word, and if I pass away this evening, <laughs> I go to Mac Island every, every day. To go for uh, go to gym, go for a swim, and I know in the last election there were signs that I passed every day on McDonald Island, and that was after the new bylaw was put in place. Now on a grassroots level, uh, you can't have any signs. So, like, is, is there is there two kind of is you know is it a two tiered system? Because it's a provincial election, I can put signs here. I, I got to abide by the same bylaws, 
So at the end of it, you get, yeah, it's, you get pretty frustrated, you know, <laughs> and I'll be glad when uh, next Monday comes, you know. I won't see my signs out there. I've always been a champion. Put the signs up first, take them down first. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't want my big old face brawl around town. <laughs> you know, and I tell you, I think that it says a you lot. You good for, in that suit, though, Keith. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I just, you, you hit a nerve because signs are a real pain. And I tell you what, but if you don't have them, it's not because you want the flood. Necessary evil. And, and they're very expensive. Yeah. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. They're, they're expensive. Like anybody, you know, you can laugh and joke. But... They're it's expensive. Price, it's money, yeah. It's money that I would rather away. give to my. I would rather uh, give to a charity than I would to post a sign. But if you don't post a sign, somebody's going to say, "Yeah, oh, lazy guy." You know, what I mean? not not focused. Yeah. Well, so Keith ate up all the time. So I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's a podcast, man. There's no rules here. Tyler, what were you telling me about signs earlier? Because it was uh, rather interesting. Yeah, I, I think we all echo Keith's sentiment that yeah, I would much rather give the money away to a worthy cause. Um, the one thing that I think the signs do at least is spur those people to go educate themselves mm-hmm. on the name. And I hope that people are doing that rather than just going by all of the signs and being like the name recognition when you get to the polls. Go educate yourselves. I think with only two seats available, that will happen more often. I think the signs when there's six seats and you have four horses and then you just randomly pick off two, I think that will play more of a factor in the regular elections yeah. so hopefully people are set seeing the names and then going on and researching the websites and yeah. different candidates platforms but it, it, it is a nuisance um you're getting calls constantly i've been prank called from my friends because they know <laughs> how frustrating it is i had during the sure. social prosperity awards i got a call that was blocked number and so sure enough i thought it was bought by law i had to step out and it was my friends who said i had body parts drawn on my sign and i had to go get them down immediately so my friends all know how much i hate them and now they're rubbing <laughs> that, it in. You're not your signs not your friends right <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, it's a, it's unfortunately a necessary evil right now until there is some kind of cap on them or a ban on them outlook. Out, out, right. A cap. I think, um, yeah, like Tyron said, there's sort of um, a reminder that there's an election. People see them. They're like, oh, yeah, I need to remember to go home and learn about this more. Maybe we could have a cap. Maybe we could have like eight One designated sign. areas where you can have a sign and that's it. So everybody gets eight signs and everybody puts their eight signs up and that's it. And then we can stop Choose all your this other nonsense. Wisely. That's not a bad idea, <laughs> actually. You know? yeah. Add some strategy to it. It is a tremendous waste of money. <laughs> Printing Unlimited did quite well between me and Tyron. <laughs> yeah. but, um, give me a, just you know, give me an estimate. Like How much are we talking here? Like we talking... Just a, give me a ballpark. <laughs> Five figures. Holy shit. $7,000. Wow. Plus. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. And it's all, and it's maintained by your group. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they blow down and they blow away and they break yeah. and they get stolen or whatever happens to them. And it's just a big waste of money yeah. at the end of the day. And I'm glad you mentioned the vandalism part because like, I, I will say this. I keep an eye on the ones uh, by Thickwood Arena there. And if anyone says anything's vandalized there, it's not yeah. true. No, it's no, always I, I, been no I'll tell you what. It's easy for people to say uh, that they've been vandalized. But I believe that we live in a pretty civil world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Any sign that, that I had to go fix... I uh, I probably had one, you know, uh, like if a guy comes out of Boston Pizza in Timberley and, you know, he's he's had, uh, you know, probably one too many and he's on his way home and he looks at my picture in a pink sun. He goes, oh, what a fag, and gives it a kick. 
<laughs> you know? Well, no, like I was telling Tyron, too, and I think even if the ones are vandalized, like, like to me, I, I heard of it in high school all the time. I don't think it's any... I would like to think that anyone that runs a campaign, hopefully anywhere, but in this region, they're not hiring people or doing it themselves oh, no, to never. vandalize oh, something. Like I really think anybody. it's just kids. It's just well, there's a few people that hinted or, towards you know? it in the past. Oh, oh. yeah, well, I tell you, there, there, and <laughs> I, there is sick think. people. There is sick people, and I tell you what, uh, when you enter politics, and I've been involved <laughs> in public life for the last eight years, be willing to be talked about, be, be made fun of, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you just got to have skin like a pig at yeah. the end of the day because every decision you make affects people. And, and you know what? Not everybody, not everybody's going to like what you got to say. Mm-hmm. But you got to have the courage to know what you believe in and represent the people that put you in office. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you something. Like, I drive around and I was waiting to see a few as... Tyrone said. Tyrone said. It's Tyrone, Tyrone now. <laughs> That's Tyrone. the one he tells me the most. So, and his mom gave me a blast about it the other day. But I told her I've known his mom for 22 years, and I just I got to get the son's name right. That's all you know. But uh, I can tell you that uh, people find it easy to knock people, and at the end of the day, boy, I tell you, I think I'm quite proud of uh, every candidate. That's run out there, except yes. a couple, because uh, they, they've, they sh- they've demonstrated to me that, you know what, anybody that will go out and block your sign, is that the person you really want to represent you? Is that, is that what you want? Because that shows me a, a bit of disrespect. And I'm not whining. I could have I stooped to that level and gave him a call and said, hey, man, you know what, look, what are you doing? Yeah. But, you know, I'd rather take the high road because anybody that knows Keith McGrath, I've always had a good time campaigning. And win or lose next Monday night, I look at these two individuals and say that, you know what, we ran a very respectful campaign. I'm not ashamed. And, and the biggest thing is I have three teenage children that go to school. And certainly they don't want their dad to be out there being a horse's ass, you know. And also uh, sitting down being a, a, you know, a, a school board trustee, you can't be out there, you know, complaining and belly aching. What you do, you pick up the pieces and move on. So I, I, You do it your own way and let people... Well, yeah, Frank Sinatra, you do it my way. You know, yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, going back to the cost of signs, absolutely, absolutely. If elected, you know, we passed one bylaw already that says you can only have them in certain areas, which is brand new to me. Uh, my first election uh, was when uh, Rydell Street was flooding. I had three signs uh, that gave me eighteen hundred votes. And uh, I tell you what. If I could go back to 97 and have three signs, uh, chances are I probably would have had a better holiday this summer. But, uh, you know, uh, my wife and uh, three kids, they understand that uh, this is a a, a dream of mine. And, uh, you know, maybe instead of going to Maui in uh, September, (laughs) we'll go to Gregoire Lake in July. Uh, My girlfriend's not getting a ring anytime soon, let's say that. No, and I think you, uh, someone said, I think I, I think we all echoed it at one point or another. I think it takes a lot of courage just to even get up there and, and put your name on the ballot. So my hat's off to the three of you, and my hat's off, especially to the three of you and, and uh, everyone, uh, the other three, even though one uh, couldn't show up for, for personal reasons, uh, that accepted uh, the invitation for the show. Like I said, it's a goofy little podcast, but I, I like to hope I have effect that at least it shows that I have an interest in this region and I like to bring attention to this region and this is by far the most uh, uh, important election out of all the three uh, that we have so guys thank you very much Uh, before we head off 
where can we find some information about you guys? Besides for my community, myvoice.com, which uh, you guys are all active on. I do, I do believe I've seen all your guys' yeah. names there. Where else can they find some information? Uh, I have a website, tyronalt.com. You can also like me on Facebook at tyronalt for Fort McMurray Counselor. And you can tweet me at tyronalt. Email address tyron underscore alt at hotmail.com. Or you can call me, 780 780- Two one five four triple five is he, my cell phone. He likes the two AM calls about his election signs. Hey, yeah. <laughs> if you're not going to call me about election signs, I'll answer. But if it's a block number, I don't know. <laughs> no more block numbers. Yeah. Week. <laughs> uh, Colleen Tatum dot com, Facebook vote Colleen Tatum, Twitter Colleen Tatum, and uh, my cell phone number. You're welcome to text me, phone me. Um, if it's after 11, I probably will not answer, but you can still send a message. 780-880-0757. There you go. Keith? I just noticed you haven't got your clock ahead either. You know, it's spring. You, you forgot to turn your clock ahead. It's only a couple more months <laughs> and she'll be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you know what? Uh, being the oldest guy in the in the pack, uh, we gotta get you know, some Twitter and Facebook, I, I, and certainly I do. Uh, you know, uh, you can log on to uh, McGrath Number Four Council ca and that'll uh, hook you up to my uh, Facebook and hook you up to my Twitter and uh, rest assured I'm not a not a big Twitter fan I'm not a big Facebook fan but uh, to keep up with the Joneses I figured uh, I got my kids and I said hey dad needs to be set up for 29 days do this for me yeah, yeah exactly and I'm not ashamed to say it you know uh, not expensive as signs really. I'm, I'm still using a rotary dial phone in my house but uh, my kids have uh, bought me up to uh, to accept the face that you know what uh, technology is a way to go. Uh, this social media is great. And I'd just like to thank you for having us over to your own home tonight. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there was 14 candidates. You had you were able to get six here, I believe. And uh, you know what? That tells me you have six worthy candidates that made the time. And there's nothing such, no such thing as small things in life because guys like yourself, if, if 10 people hear your podcast tomorrow, you've made a difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, there's two very important times in life, uh, the time you were born and the time you die. But what really matters is what you do in between. And this is what we're all trying to do. We're trying to make a difference. Well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> uh, any, can anyone top that for a closing comment? <laughs> no, like I said, uh, thank you very much for the comments. And like I said, I really can't thank you guys enough because to me, it was very interesting to, interesting to see uh, who would actually uh, reply to my email. And, and like I said, thank you guys very much because biggest goal, I think, is to get people out there. June 25th is the election, folks. Um, the advanced polls are open now, uh, Monday to Friday at City Hall. And I believe... Saturday or Saturday, Saturday and Saturday. just Saturday? Okay, just Saturday. So Monday to Friday at City Hall, uh, just Saturday at Mac Island. Uh, so the polls are open now. Advanced polls are open now. Big day is next Monday. Uh, I wish you guys all good luck. Uh, quite frankly, out of everyone that was here at the dining room tables tonight, uh, whoever gets those two seats, I believe Fort McMurray is steered in the right direction. Um, so on that aspect, definitely check out all of the candidates' websites. Uh, check out my community, My Voice. It's an excellent one-stop shop, the quote-unquote quote uh, to get all the information get out vote and get educated so all right on behalf of the ym or sorry for the ymm podcast on behalf of tito i'm todsky i'm tyron alt colleen tatum and i'm keith mcgrath we'll see you guys next set
Skyman Podcast is a T-Man Entertainment production. In association with Hyperphotonic Media. Find us at hyperphotonicmedia.com. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Thank you.